0: It's so nice out there, from sunny Mexican markets to sleepy Greek waves. And when you go as an Expedia member, you save more on the things that matter. Expedia. Made to travel. Terms apply. See site for details.
1: FX presents Under the Banner of Heaven. This case I'm working on, it's a double murder. Inspired by the true crime bestseller by John Krakauer. Oh my God. And starring Academy Award nominee Andrew Garfield. The evidence points to things and to beliefs that I have only ever heard whisperings about. FX is under the banner of heaven. All new Thursdays, only on Hulu. días! Gracias por escuchar Honey Hole
2: Hangout! <laughs> <laughs>
3: That was awesome. No, I love that.
4: It doesn't really match the music, does it? <laughs>
0: hey man, it doesn't be believe it enough. Yeah, that was. Fan- I was not expecting you to go there, but that was <laughs> awesome. Me neither. I was. I you not know what it was going to entail, but man, I'm glad it happened.
3: So, everyone, welcome to our podcast, Honey Hole Hangout. We are the collaboration of a couple of uh, fly fishermen, hunters, and outdoorsmen who somehow afforded podcast equipment and figured out how to release episodes on the internet. These are our stores' opinions, and perceptions of outdoor pursuits in the modern world. Today, we have Landon. I'm live this week. Yeah, he's feels back. feels good. I'm back. We have Zach. Yep. We have Evan is here. Yep. And we have Bill Marshall, president of GRTU. Evening. How are you? Are you ready to go? Ready to go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How are you uh, not after that? I mean, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, quick announcement on Cliff. Cliff is taking a break from the show, so you guys aren't going to... Hear his soothing, sultry Georgia accent uh for a while. Sweet Georgia peace. So so uh we're gonna miss him for a bit. We don't know what's gonna happen, but we know he's busy and uh understand things change. So yeah, for sure.
0: No, he's getting married. He's getting, getting married. He's got right. a lot of crap going on. He's got right. a lot of crap going on. Yeah, I was freaking out. You
4: don't know what it's like to plan a wedding and work and oh my gosh. Yeah no. I had
0: to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with my boss like, yeah. like four months yeah. before. My wife is all so stressed out. My numbers were low. So. you like, listen here, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You ever got married before? <laughs> have you met
4: Bridezilla? Let me introduce you to my lovely woman.
3: So today we have a, uh, I wouldn't say one-of-a-kind, but almost one-of-a-kind, as hard as this bottle is to find,
2: mm-hmm.
3: of whiskey. Um, I got this. My mother-in-law knows that we do the podcast and we drink whiskey and do reviews on the podcast. And she's like, hey, I have some whiskey if you guys want to, you know, take it, thinking it was like Crown or, you know, just some basic stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it, whatever. Well, she pulled out a bottle of Gromes and Ulrich Black Label Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey distilled in
0: 1942. Yo, that's crazy.
3: And it is aged for, uh, I think, eight years. It's 84 proof. <laughs> At this point, it's aged for a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> it was aged in a barrel for eight years. For eight years. This, and then they bottled it. And then they bottled it. This bottle is uh, unopened.
0: So it's been in the bottle for 72 years. For 72 years. Math.
3: I tried to do some research on this whiskey. Basically, Gromes and Ulrich, they owned a grocery store in Chicago, and bought this label of whiskey so that way they could sell it in their grocery store. Okay. Another interesting thing is we entered the war December 8th, 1941. So I was kind of curious why it says distilled 1942 and also pre-war. Mm-hmm. And the general consensus I found online was that when World War Two started, the uh, liquor producers, I guess... They needed high alcohol content to produce rubber. And so they started with rum producers, and they turned that manufacturing to help the rubber production for the war. And then they moved to whiskey later on when they needed more materials. And so I think they labeled it pre-war to make it clear. Um, It it, it wasn't necessarily distilled pre-war, but whiskey had to transition later on in the war, and so they had to label it pre-war to let them so, know uh, like hey this thi- is this, this was legal. to be going to the boys.
0: Yeah, this gotcha.
3: this was legally made whiskey. Gotcha. Hey, Landon, yeah. check that out. Yeah, I saw that too. Oh, the did ni- you?
0: Is it the nineteen forty
4: two? Uh huh. It says is that pounds? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Twelve hundred dollars.
0: Euro. Euros? <laughs> yeah. So uh- what that that's like thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred bucks?
5: No more than that on Euro.
0: It really? Yeah. 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 I saw one that was like uh,
3: three Fancy. 300 pounds and that was an auction at the end of 2021 so pretty recently
0: Are you sure you want to open this I mean we got some jack Daniels in there
3: no I'm sure I want to open it okay. I can't resell it because I don't have a taBC liquor license yeah, that's true and someone this is a one of a kind bottle and uh, I wanna I want crack it all right let's do it so I'm gonna I got some pictures so we'll post some pictures so you guys can see what the bottle looks like uh let's see is there cork? No cork. Broke the seal. What's it smell like? Yeah. It smells like whiskey. <laughs> smells like
4: that. It smells like I'm going blind. No,
0: realistically, I mean, like, if it's been sealed, it's probably okay. Like, it probably hasn't changed much. No. I wouldn't say so.
3: I'm pouring everybody a glass. Very little oh, for my me. goodness. I do not yeah, want yeah. that much. There you go, Bill. <laughs> Bill's going to need it.
4: Yeah, I don't need that much either.
3: Yeah. Here, <laughs> split that between. Yeah, there you go. That I got
0: a heavy hand. <laughs> you do, man. <laughs> You're like, hey, <laughs> there. You, that's a better pour. <laughs> All right.
4: Cheers. It's Cheers, this,
0: boys. Yeah, it does. It smells a little like alcohol. They <laughs> like just like rubbing
1: alcohol. <laughs> oh man, that smells good. Well, that tastes good. Yeah. Wow.
0: It's very good. It's caramelly, smooth. There's like a little raisin to it.
4: Did you try it, Bill? Yeah. Mm
5: -hmm. I'm the designated driver guy for everybody. Uh All the time. I actually don't drink.
3: Oh, Oh. that's okay.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I've got my Starbucks rolling right (laughs) now. No, I didn't know that or we wouldn't have poured you a glass. (laughs) That's no problem at all. We'll finish. We'll drink (laughs) it. I'm sure you will.
3: Yeah. We'll drink it. That's pretty good. Honestly,
4: I was thinking
0: it would not be good. I figured it would. Once they put it in the bottle and they seal it, not a lot is happening to it. It's not aging anymore. It, it really will, unless air mm. somehow gets in there, really can't spoil or grow mold or anything. Well,
4: you're, you're right about that raisin thing. Yeah. It's yeah. sweet. It, it is. is. Good.
0: Caramel, yeah. sweet raisin. Mm-hmm.
4: It's not hot.
0: Nope. It has like, there's a little burn in the front, but it does not travel down. And it smells a little bit like maraschino cherries. Like A little bit like cherry, almost like... It reminds me of like a tropical like you know like the little fruit cups you get when you're a kid they have like like the um like the cherries and like the pineapple and stuff it almost reminds me of that.
3: Hmm. No, but I'm I'm actually like very surprised.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Probably the most expensive bottle we've tried on the podcast.
4: Yeah. And you know the color is really <clears throat> it's really nice. It's not terribly dark, but it's not light either. No. Oh. It's got a really really good color. And what
3: did I say the proof was on this? Uh 84 proof. Oh, that's not bad. No. That's light.
0: Yes, yeah, a 42. <laughs> mhm.
3: Yeah, and this was probably like you know, what do you how much you guys think that costs Back then? Yeah, 1950. <laughs> 84 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. I don't know what no you yeah, I mean I know what it goes for now. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Well, we've seen all kinds of prices. Mm -hmm. on that thing on Mm -hmm. auctions online so Mm -hmm. cool evan you ready to talk about your uh, neat things in nature
4: yeah hit it (laughs) all right so i've got a story here and the title says rare golden crappie reeled in on minnesota lake so this guy's out fishing he's on clear lake in uh in minnesota minnesota and he's just, you know, doing his thing. He's just fishing, and he reels in this uh, golden fish, and he doesn't know if it's a, you know, some kind of a sunfish or what. Turns out, uh, fast forward, da 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 biologists, all this and that, they look at it, and it's a golden crappie, and it's... Look at that. Look at that color on that. Oh, wow. And it just really... It's really cool looking. Yeah, that's awesome. Looks like a palomino. Wow.
0: Yeah. So yeah. that's
4: exactly what I was going to say is, man, it just... I mean, I really want to catch one. They say that... um I think they gave the figures in here. I'm not going to read it, but basically it said he needed to go out and buy a lottery ticket because that's what he won yeah. by catching one of these crappies. Oh, that, they didn't
3: give odds on like what nope. the odds are. No, nope. they didn't. Being they didn't say. Occurring.
4: Yeah, they didn't even actually say that it's ever been caught in the wild before. So, I mean, I assume it happens in the wild, just like the a Palomino. You know, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that happens more for a reason that I'm not aware of, but um, ultra rare golden crappie. So this guy's uh, name is Rick. Uh, genetic mutation called zan- xanthism. I think I'm sp- saying that right, which is an overexpression of pigment, at least hmm.
0: in the crappie. So, huh. and it, its eyes aren't like uh, like the albino red. They're mm-hmm. actually like just normal. No, they're
4: normal. <clears throat> they look normal, yeah. normal to me. They do. Wow. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, also makes me wanna. Get on the Guadalupe and go chase some... Some palominos. Some bananas. Yeah. Speaking of bananas... The ones b- I can see. <laughs> Bill, when
3: y'all put the fish in the river, when G-R-T, you puts a fish in the river, are y'all... Do y'all allocate, like, we want so many palominos, or is it just, like, random mix of the bunch? And they It's
5: cl- a random mix of the bunch. We don't... That's not a specific request. Okay. Gotcha.
3: Okay. I, I've read, or I think I read, that it ha- occurs more naturally in... Um, not in the wild, but in where they grow Fishers. the trout, fisheries, the in the hatcheries. Yeah. They occur more commonly yes. in the hatcheries.
5: Yeah, and some some hatcheries say they do it as kind of a counting mechanism because they intentionally, where it's one every 500 fish or one every 1,000 that is there selling and counting fish, it's kind of their mark because they're filling whole tanks Okay. of fish.
3: Gotcha. It's so they kind of their, kinda use it as a counting marker. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, it makes sense if it happens every so often and if they know, hey, Easy. I mean, they're easy, yeah. easy to spot. Yeah. Easy to
5: spot for the osprey and stuff
0: on yeah, the river, too. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know
4: this. <clears throat> I cast it one a million times. The joker's not going to eat anything I throw at him. Nope. Because every other Yahoo like me has been, <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> been yeah. fishing for him I that like, day. Ooh, there's one I can see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. Was always wondered if uh, in the fisheries if it was over-exaggerated mutation just because there's such a concentrated effort of growing fish that if that mutation was uh, you know more so than, more in, the, than in the wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wondered about that.
5: I don't know. I really don't know the answer. Dan and the fisheries guys may, but that's not, I don't know the answer. I could mm. make one up, but <laughs> probably because everyone else wouldn't know either. But, but uh, yeah. oh, wow, sounds great. <laughs>
4: I see him quite a bit on the river. I see him yeah. quite a bit, uh, but I've never caught one. No. As much as I've caught I've a couple. I've caught more sheepies than I've caught Palomino yeah. trout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: Lynn is like, I hate you. <laughs> All right. Let's do some uh, conservation corner. All right. This is a good one. Yeah, Flo- excited for it. Florida's bonefish are on drugs. A new <laughs> study reveals how prevalent and dangerous prescription medications have become in Florida's waters and the species that swim in them. According to a three-year study by Bonefish and Tarpon Trust and Florida International University, bone- Florida's bonefish are on drugs, lots of them. Researchers analyzed tissue samples collected from a large geographical area along the Florida's coast, and they were testing for presence and concentration of commonly prescribed pharmaceuticals. Every fish the researchers tested contained at least one pharmaceutical with one fish testing positive for 17 different prescription drugs. On average, the bonefish that were tested contained seven different pharmaceuticals. Overall, a total of 58 different drugs were detected in the Florida bonefish The researchers sampled Um, the drugs detected in the bonefish sampled throughout the study ran the gamut of commonly prescribed medications, antidepressants, blood pressure medications, prostate medications, antibiotics, and pain relievers were the most commonly detected. Researchers also found evidence of heart medications, antihistamines, antifungal medications, and
0: opioids. That doesn't surprise me. And meth. (laughs) (laughs) So it's coming from people flushing the toilets.
3: Yeah, basically people are, you know, when they're done with the prescription, they pour it in the toilet and then they flush. Do people
0: really do that? I didn't even know that was a thing, that people would dump their prescriptions in the toilet, outside of, like, opioids, you know. Now you
5: see it at all the pharmacies, even H-E-B in there. They have signs about it, that you can bring it back in where then they safely dispose of it. Because of that problem, are yeah. you supposed
0: to do that? Because like no. I always just put it underneath my cupboard and just like leave it for years, <laughs> like, and, that's then, it. and then it ends <laughs> up going in the trash can. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <I'm> like, <laughs> no, not once has it ever crossed my mind. All I can do is dump this, and then I got a pill bottle I gotta take care of. Yeah, no, it's crazy.
3: It's crazy to think about that the fish are like somehow absorbing. You I mean, did say
0: it's Florida though, so maybe just like police are busting the doors. And people are like just do, dump it all. We do, do
3: do Florida man articles,
0: right? So like just dump it all down the toilet, get it out. Get rid of the So evidence. Do, <clears throat> do, do people eat bonefish? No. It's a sport fish
3: only? It's pretty much a sport fish. I think I know in Belize they're protected as mm. sport fish, and I know in
0: Florida they're protected as sport mm. fish. I mean, I'm sure somebody eats them. Yeah, mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah, somebody eats everything. I
3: mm. think you can eat them in the Bahamas. I don't think they're protected in the Bahamas. There's a lot so of So if you
0: Bahamas. ate one in Florida, would you get high or? You'd have great heart pressure.
4: Nice. Or blood pressure. Blood pressure. Mm. <laughs> yeah. better, heart, better heart condition. Hey, and you know
3: what? Antifungal sense. properties. <laughs> <laughs> the article also says uh, that this is particularly troubling, um, as previously conducted studies have demonstrated that prescription drugs present in fish uh, at therapeutic levels can dramatically alter fish behavior and fitness, affecting feeding behaviors, habitat use, migration patterns, survival rates, and reproductive success.
4: So that explains why they're hard to catch. Because they're,
2: they're, they're all jacked, jacked up on, <laughs> on medication. <laughs> on drugs, <yeah. laughs> yep. That's
3: great. No, I think this is a super interesting study, and I'm also curious how they got to the point of, like, this is the study that we're going to do. Why are we going to do this particular study and find out prescription drugs in bonefish? Yeah, out of know.
0: all the studies they could do. Like, who even thought about it? They're like, hey, we should test bonefish. I wonder for, if it's something in their drugs. diet.
4: Like, the, the how they eat. I, don't, I know nothing about bonefish, other than... You know, friends that
3: have gone and said they're small crabs, right. shrimp. Mm. So if that's in their diet, I wonder if it's being absorbed at the you know gills level, yeah, and, or if it's being absorbed through their food as they eat
0: it. Probably both, I'd imagine.
3: So what? So what
4: you're saying is we need to test the crabs and the, you know, all <laughs> and those, the shrimp, and the yeah. shrim- all the crustaceans and stuff, and that then well, test what the shrimp eat.
3: Well, we're eating the shrimp too. So are yeah. we?
0: You oh know. Every time
3: we eat shrimp, are we Open getting a, a little of worms bit of there. Well, prescriptions?
0: We're getting, we're getting a little bit of mercury. I know that much, so. and microplastics and microplastics, yeah. microplastics.
3: <laughs>
4: yeah. Jeez, that's scary.
0: Yeah,
3: that's my article this week, boys. Huh?
4: Interesting. You know, well, kind of scary. It wasn't
0: funny, and then it went to we're all <laughs> we're all dying of microplastic ingestion. Yeah,
4: you know what? You know what will help with that. In your gut
0: is if you put some 72-year-old whiskey. (laughs) You know what? They were barely making plastics then. Doggone right. (laughs)
3: Mm -hmm. All right, Zach, what do you got for us this week? Mm.
0: I got a creature watch for us. So today I'm bringing you the story of the Fresno Nightcrawler. You guys know where Fresno is? Fresno, California. California. California, yep. Uh, is so this uh, yeah. some creepy dude? You're thinking of a Night Stalker. <laughs> <laughs> that's Oh, dang it. It is. It. It is a, you know, Did the you all
3: see that movie Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal? No. Uh-uh. No, it was very good. It
0: was good. <laughs> yeah. It was dark. <laughs> he was
3: an ambulance chaser, but. Oh.
4: But not
0: for a lawyer, just for like to catch it on video to sell it to news stations.
3: Yeah. Interesting.
4: It's yeah. dark.
0: It's dark. It's, though.
4: it's dark. Interesting. Um,
0: yeah. Also, I would like to say that we've established a rule. That we set The precedent was set pretty early, and uh, this one breaks the rule. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. Oh, no. On the timeline? So the, the rule the is 95? Yep. 1995.
3: Yeah, so, Bill, basically our rule, and for our listeners that don't know, is that is it really a cryptozoology creature if it is pre-'95, and we set the standard at the... Chupacabra. Chupacabra. Yeah. Chupacabra so. was
0: first identified in 1995, and we felt like that was really, really soon. So... We That's have not one. had one more recent, uh, but I break the rule. Ah, So okay. uh, what year do you guys think that the Fresno Night Crawler was first found? 2000, 2003.
3: I'm okay. going to say 2020. Somebody got bored during COVID. <laughs> 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 what
0: do you think, Bill? 20, 2010. 2010. You were the closest. It was 2014, and actually December 12th of 2014. So the witness was a 60-year-old far- former Marine vet And they were driving near Carmel. I guess it's another county or city in California, right? Uh, And all of a sudden, they came up over a hill and saw a seven-foot tall, slender, gray creature, which is now known as the Carmel Area Creature, right? The witness went on to say, We recently bought a place in the Fort Hill area in southeast Highland County. We first noticed after about 30 days of living here that we suddenly have a perfect circle that stays fresh green no matter the weather in their front yard. But on f- on that Friday night, we were driving home. After turning on Carmel Road, which leads to our road, we went around the curve by the Carmel Church and then up a small incline. <laughs> I guess he just wants to go on. And, on, and approximately 10 feet <laughs> over the incline and in front of our truck, the alien ran across the road and Wait, into so the an woods. Wait, it's an alien? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's an alien. And,
4: uh, I mean, that's what he calls it. A okay. okay. seven-foot-tall, thin, gray Gray
0: creature. Mm-hmm. Creature, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have Making. been many possible sightings of the Nightcrawler in the form of the Carmel area, but most people say that it's a creature that's thin. A lot of times people say it's armless, so it's just two legs running around out there. And uh, it has a pale white humanoid, and it's been seen from Fresno all the way to Ohio. But most of the sightings typically are in Yosemite, right? So right there, kind of, uh, you know, Eastern California. They've actually didn't even caught it on camera, uh, one, but most of the time when it's walking around, there are two creatures. One is about half a meter tall, and the other one is at seven feet. you know. So Wait, so there,
3: there is camera footage.:
0: There's yeah, security footage.: Yeah, there's a couple of different footage, because actually, in Poland, there's handheld video of it, but of course, as we know, from all cryptozoology, handheld footage is shaky and blurry, Shaky and blurry. <laughs> uh, so some explanations. A lot of people think it's an alien or extraterrestrial being. Uh, Some people think it's a new species, possibly a primate with either short or no arms, kind of like the T-Rex. People think it's a misidentified deer standing upright. I like to throw my own theory. Uh, If you guys know, like, when dogs get their front two legs amputated, they walk around like people. (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) I haven't seen it. (laughs) So, my theory is some sort of animal, like a deer, maybe a mountain lion, had its front two legs missing. Maybe it was born without them. I don't know. And now it walks around on its hind two legs. Uh,
4: So, you're saying it's a chupacabra? (laughs) It's probably a chupacabra.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, that's it. There are some video on here. So if you guys are interested and look up the Fresno Nightcrawler, you can find some video of it walking around. Uh, there's a lot of interesting drawings. Some people really lean into the Fresno Nightcrawler. And, uh, yeah, so that's it.
3: Nice. That one's interesting. Yeah, I thought so. <clears throat> I like your theory. Of it's just I think that's <laughs> the most realistic theory, honestly. Yeah, it's
0: probably just an animal that lost its front legs. <laughs> and Other than an alien
3: <laughs> or... You know, a <laughs> misidentified deer. Yeah, I don't know how you misidentify a deer for the description that you provide. You
0: know what? There's a picture of it. There's a picture of a deer on here, and I could I could see it. I could see how somebody would be like, "Oh yeah, no, that's the Fresno Nightcrawler." See, right here. Hmm. Right. I mean, if you saw that, if it was kind of dark, you might think that's a weird animal, especially if it didn't have horns. Mm-hmm. You mm. know.
4: Strange,
5: yeah. I mean, it's maybe if you would had a lot of the 72 year old whiskey, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that could help. It helps <laughs> a lot.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so there's a story of the Fresno nightcrawler.
3: Awesome, thanks, Zach. All right, Bill. So, uh, you are now the president of GRTU, and I think you were telling me uh, yesterday that that happened in November. In November, on a switch,
5: yep. And then we, we have elections in November, bring on new board members, elect new officers, win when their two-year terms are up.
3: So they're two-year terms. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be the president for the next two years?
5: Two years, you can serve two of them. So you could serve four years, and okay. then you and then you term out as president. Oh, so okay. there is
0: a there is a limit. Yeah, oh, there nice. is.
5: There is. And on, on our board members, too. Okay. They're two-year terms, but they can do three of them.
0: Okay. So, Consecutively?
5: Yes, and then you can leave for one term, and you could be reelected.
4: And then serve another Yes. And oh, okay. Yes. I got you.
5: Okay. So will
3: you explain, uh, uh, I guess, the overall Trout Unlimited and then how Guadalupe River Trout Unlimited fits into that tree? The bigger picture. The bigger picture.
5: Yeah, I think we're a unique chapter because of being in Texas to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I just think, obviously, trout isn't something that people who live in Texas think of or... Or expect to have. I know when I moved here twenty something years ago from Oregon, I didn't realize it. My wife rented a house up on the Guadalupe for my birthday, and I was messing around fishing for bass, and all of a sudden reeled in this rainbow trout, and was was surprised that that it was there, and did some more research on it. So Trout Unlimited nationally, and particularly now, Chris Wood will our president and CEO will be at Trout Fest, and is actually one of the speakers talking on Trout Unlimited's new five year strategic plan, which. Had, has had people here wondering, you're asking how we fit in. Well, they're really focusing on what they're calling priority waters, where instead of doing a more shotgun approach nationally, are really focusing on rivers that they can have the biggest impact or areas. So you saw it a lot with TU doing a lot with Bristol Bay, which is trying to stop any development in Bristol Bay. You're seeing if you look on all of their social media, any of their articles, Big on the Snake River dams, getting mm-hmm. rid of getting rid of those dams now. So they've gone in and looked at rivers that they think they can have the biggest impact. So instead of really doing a shotgun approach nationwide, working on a lot of rivers, streams, creeks, culverts, trying to really focus the resources and the energy of the organization to fix X many. I, th- I believe the initial group is about ten, and then move on to once those have been dealt with, move on to other priority rivers well to you not having those are really wild and native fish rivers that is the priority that is what Trout Unlimited tries to do is then people
3: what is Trout Unlimited's mission statement do you know offhand
5: <laughs>
3: I, I'm, I'm just curious
5: we just changed it with the with the strategic plan okay it used to be cold water conservation and to protect the watersheds that feed them so mm-hmm. it was really about protecting any cold water and, and keeping clean cold water mm-hmm. Which then obviously would trickle down to better trout, salmon, um, survive, surviving and and flourishing within that. Yep. So now it's really gone twofold. Is it's become two. And off the top of my head, I won't. I can tell you what they're focused on. It's two prongs. One is the priority waters in focusing the energy of the organization, the finances towards specific projects that we can try and make an impact and do things like getting the EPA to, to reverse on Bristol Bay. Not that we were the only ones, but Trout Unlimited was a big voice in that. Chris Wood testified before Congress numerous times, as he does on the Clean Water Act and, and other things. The second one becomes an engagement, trying to engage our members in the community more in a more diverse, um, because, and Chris addresses it in the strategic plan, is TU overall is a very heavily, white, male, elderly organization. And it's just it's what our numbers show who we are. So it is to try and diversify who we are and get a larger impact and involvement. There's been much more partnering with other organizations last year with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. They agreed that it would be a reciprocal membership. So to try and add more like groups regardless of if it's a hunting more oriented group but if we have the same goals Mm -hmm. with clean water more public lands Mm -hmm. more public access that we're much more willing to try and partner with Mm -hmm. with those type organizations but and and so diversity within the organization is one of his big pushes and engaging and to that end there are things that try to limit it's done one is the volunteer service partnership it used to be only for veterans um, or for military. Now it includes first responders. And really, even in San Antonio, we're about to roll that out. Our ex president of the chapter, Joe Filler, is going <clears> to <throat> do that. He's a vet himself. But as you bring those people in, as we know by the demographics of the military, it will make us in this chapter more diverse and younger. Yeah. And just so looking at specific things along those lines, our board has reflected even. At GRTU, more diversity in the last four or five years than we've ever had. If you just you know, take a quick look at the board, it's not, it doesn't look like what it did five years ago. And TU nationally also has uh, made an effort to do that and bring in people from different backgrounds mm. and experiences to guide the organization and, and try and, and try and make an intentional we've said we've had a diversity program for a long time, and we've had one locally. Um, Lisa Lozell from Mavenfly ran it, but it's to really try and make that a central focus of the whole organization.
3: Um, so explain what, uh, how GRTU operates as far as uh, how, how does it fit into the whole TU organization? I know in, we're the only chapter in Texas, and we're the largest chapter, and you know uh, we have the Guadalupe River, which has trout, and I know way out in West Texas, there's some wild protected fish in the Guadalupe Mountains. Um, but other than that, we're mainly like a bass or redfish state, Right, most people would say. So how does uh, Guadalupe River Trout Unlimited fit into that picture?
5: Where we fit in is most states have multiple chapters because they have multiple trout rivers. You look at states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, they have multitudes of chapters because each each river has a chapter. Where we really fit in, and GRTU has made an impact nationally with TU, is because of being so large, because it doesn't matter if you join TU and you're in Midland, El Paso, you become a GRTU member because you get assigned to the closest chapter within your state. So everyone in Texas becomes a GRTU member. What it really does is financially allows us to impact wild and native fish financially because obviously that's not something that we have here and what you referenced in West Texas, McKittrick Creek. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of studies done on and were there cutthroat there to begin with. There's currently rainbows and was it originally cutthroat and rainbows and that's a a whole kind of debate thing. We did a bunch of studies on that with TPWD and funded some things up there and there's been research on that. Having a a large membership base and having Troutfest has allowed us financially to be able to do things for TU where T.U. did a hundred thousand dollar commitment when we were short or TU nationally was constantly short on money for their youth programs and would do GoFundMe's and they were short about somewhere in the excess of forty thousand years. So men are youth headwaters people spent a great amount of their time fundraising instead of working with youth and planning. Mm. So, we made a $100,000 commitment over 10 years, which we're in the fifth year of. Um, it's matching funds to allow them to then use that to raise matching funds and then motivate other chapters to donate and bring into that. Because our chapter on the one of the major foundations that we do is youth work, the youth trout camp mm-hmm. that we just had in January. Yep. With funding, gr the GRTU named it the GRTU Tomorrow Fund. And they. Talk about it a lot nationally and in Trout Magazine. That's how they've they've angled towards getting more money for the youth programs. Additionally, we have another mechanism called the Coldwater Outreach Conservation Fund within our chapter. That sometimes it takes other chapters a while. They're surprised when we approach them, but we have money that other TU chapters can apply for grants to help them with projects on wild and native.
0: Oh wow! Hmm. Trout. That's awesome. I didn't know we did that.
5: We did. We just uh, last year we did grants to four New Mexico chapters and a Colorado chapter working on uh, Willow Creek, which is a removal of all the non-native species. And they're about to go back in and reintroduce cutthroat back into it. And they went and found the same genetic strains they're going to put back in. We, when we can, would like to focus on areas that are members, A, fish. So obviously New Mexico, Colorado, and that area Mm -hmm. are top of the list. And that hopefully projects like this that in five years— our members should be able to see a return where they can go fish and, and have some good fishing on, on wild fish in not that long a period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've done grants up into Wisconsin, Oklahoma, into many other states also where they can apply. Um, we want it to be rock rolling projects per se, meaning not that we're going to make posters to put on the river. We want actual, whether it's removing culverts and, and replacing old culverts that are stopping the flow of the fish whether it is removing non-native and restocking with native, um, and that we want the other chapter to be involved in that, so nice. it's surprising to most other chapters that when I approach them, I've called other council members in other states, and at first they're, it's different to have a chapter calling you saying, "Hey, we have money we want to give you." Right. Um, so, how does GRTU
3: do the bulk of their fundraising to have this uh, these funds to be able to support these other? groups.
5: Partially is we get a rebate off every membership from TU. Okay. So for every every year when the 6,000 members pay there, I mean some are life members and things, so it's not that everyone's paying that every year, but we get a percentage of that back from TU. Other than that it's really Troutfest and that's been one of the bigger pushes um it is is Troutfest and and the proceeds from Troutfest we've Heavily funded, the GR2 Tomorrow Fund was heavily funded by Trout Fest. Um Our youth camp has historically, this year, we didn't need it because Green Outfitters stepped up and had the F3T Film Festival yeah. and decided that we were going to get all their profits from it. So they cut us a check for $6,000-some-odd dollars towards youth camp. Mm. Wow. Well, Tiffany and her team there have been, even at youth camp, um, are fantastic. I mean, they, they donate their time to pretty much anything GRTU asks them to do. They've been great partners for many years, as are a lot of the other shops. I'm bringing them up just because we're talking youth and Tiffany and her team, so we didn't need to fund that. Um, But Troutfest has been a major driving factor since 17 when it got big, because really prior to that it was a smaller event, more local, uh, more of a members weekend as opposed to kind of a national show with bringing in vendors and exhibitors from all over the country.
3: Yep. I uh, saw a post that uh, you guys did on Instagram in that uh, Trout Fest funds the GRTU Tomorrow Fund, uh, which assists TU National with funding their youth programs, the GRTU Youth Trout Camp. But you said that Tiffany fully funded year. that this yep. year. Uh, TPWD for a summer intern?
5: Yes. We, um, a long time ago, uh, TPWD had wanted to have an intern on the quad to do different studies, on the of feasibility of different fish, water quality, oxygen levels, um they just didn't have the funding for it. So we cut TPWD a check every year that pays for the summer intern oh, on that's the quad. Awesome. It's it's we it's 7,500 um and it goes back to the partnership we were talking about pre-show with TPWD. It's a pretty deep partnership. Um you know, we've had members of their team Dacus Gieselin, on our board mm-hmm. and and and, yeah, we fund that um, on, on the river so that they didn't have to go out and try and get a fund, funding increase for that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: That's awesome. It
3: also says you guys have funded Project Healing Waters, uh, Real Recovery, Casting for Recovery, Fishing's Future, CRRC, Senior Citizens Food Bank, and Canyon Lake Animal Shelter.
5: Yeah, the the first three you said have been longtime recipients out of Trout Fest in Casting for Recovery, Real Recovery, and Project mm-hmm. Healing Waters, Do you, trying to support women recovering from breast cancer, um, through casting for recovery, men recovering from cancer th- through real recovery. And, yeah, and we're
3: and, big real recovery yeah, volunteers. Are. Okay.
5: And then and Raphael then, you know, yeah. is obviously involved in, yeah. in that and, um, and then with Project Healing Waters uh, for, for working with wounded vets. So those have been for – before I ever got involved with Child in 2017, they were also the recipients. We've significantly increased the amount that we donate to them every year as the event's gotten bigger then we started looking and feeling that we really needed to do more in our local area, in our home water area. So that's when we started dealing with the um, Canyon Recreation Center, who has the thrift store up there. And and their senior citizen food bank uh, was something as we looked on Charity Navigator and started researching uh, different organizations that had the biggest impact with the money. So we started donating to them. And we've done not just drought Fest, but... We've donated, um, directed our merchandise sales at points in time to them. We had a video on our website, and I forget, it was shocking the amount of money that Maureen Shine, uh, the director up there, said in terms of meals that GRTU had directly um, provided for seniors in that area. Okay. Because they get matching from the food bank and things, and they can double that money. And then same thing with the Canyon Lake Animal Shelter, um, just local something that we wanted to be able to do to impact more where we fish and the community that we fish in. That's similar to the TPWD um, funding is to try and impact that a little more. And then fishing's future has just been fantastic. They run the Trout Tank for Kids at Trout Fest. They're a great organization and they step up and and help with Trout Fest and uh, Michael Shearer, Shane Wilson, who's the founder there, good folks impact a a lot with youth. And that's something you'll see probably through the whole conversation is this chapter is very focused on youth. And as you start hearing where the money goes, you'll hear youth a lot. Um, Because we all know we're going to, and at least for me, selfishly, when I'm old, I want someone else who still wants to take care of the waters and make sure that they're clean and make sure the fishing's good. And we've got to get that next generation out there.
3: So uh, let's talk about your salary. It's really <laughs> hot. How much is how much are you getting paid from T R T? No,
5: all, all all of us. It's it's an all volunteer organization. So so none of us. There's a lot of people who do do some heavy lifting, and we've got a lot of folks who wear a lot of hats. Um, the vice president currently, Lise Lazelle, is the marketing director nationally for Casting for Recovery. She has her own women's uh, fly fishing clothing line out Austin called Maven Fly. Um, and, she, and and volunteers at GRTU. So we've got a lot of folks um, wearing a lot of hats.
3: Yeah, and a lot of our friends are board members, or Odom, who was on last right. week, is a board member. Right. Yep. And uh, I just want to point out, you know, I think uh, we're going to talk about some things later, but just to point out that GRTU is a 100% volunteer-led mm-hmm. organization. And if you guys uh, want to make a difference, then you guys should volunteer.
5: Yep. Mm-hmm. I'd agree.
3: If someone wanted to volunteer and help out, what are the best ways to do that?
5: There's a link on our website um, that says volunteer that they mm-hmm. can fill out. The other one is all of us who are on the board, our f- cell phone numbers and our uh, email addresses are right on, on the website. That's under, dangerous, you yeah, know. Under, <laughs> yeah, <really>. <laughs> <laughs> under contact us um, so they can get a hold of us. We have people who will come to the chapter meetings and, and volunteer Um, So, now they can get a hold of any of us. They can certainly get a hold of myself, Lise Lozell, who's the uh, VP any of the board members, Banning Collins, who's currently the secretary, um, or any of us.
3: So uh, let me get to some of our questions that we got in. Let's see here. I heard we got some good ones. We got some good ones.
4: I want to say while you're doing that is uh, what's impressive about GRTU, uh, specifically GRTU, is uh, that, you know, you guys – are doing more than just what your focus is, right? When you're talking about helping the community, you're el- you don't have any overhead. If nobody's getting paid, right, <laughs> then that yeah. helps a lot. It does. You guys can spread the money, which is uh, quite ad- admirable, in my opinion. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. And of course, I sidetrack here. I'm looking forward to Trout Fest because it's a big party for me. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got four kids who love it. I mean, they love everything about Trout Fest. The fishing, the bows, the going and talking to the game wardens, the fly casting instruction. And we've got all that. All that. TPWD. No, no, you're they'll, good. They'll <laughs> have the Game Thief trailer yep. there again yep. this year. Yep. Bow
5: and Robert Rodriguez and the Bow and Arrow will be there. And uh, they take uh, Angler's Ed mm-hmm. with their big trailer they bring mm-hmm. down and teach the kids. That they'll have all of that all of that there again this year.
4: Yeah, I'm pretty stoked for Trout Fist, personally. <laughs> Me too.
0: Honestly, like, I feel like, because we haven't had it in a couple of years now, or mm-hmm. in two years now, I'm like... You know, like craving we, to hang out. Know, we, really. and, and, and we
5: looked at a few years back, as Trout Fest got really big, went from 2015, I believe there were 38 total exhibitors. Now we're running it closer to 90 to
0: 100. Wow, wow. Okay. And yeah. so as
5: it got bigger, there was, we talked about it on the board of turning it over to an event company. Because it has become a heavy lift for an all. Well, an all, and to
3: point out too, you for the past couple trout fests have led the event and put the whole event on.
5: Well, I didn't put it all on. There's, I've had. Well, you were the you were the top. I was guy the delegating. chair for th- for yeah, th- three years, chair. and then last year I assisted Lise. Lise was the chair, and I helped her with co chair. And this year we agreed to do it together. So, not sure that says anything about our intelligence that uh, this will be a. <laughs> a multi-year, but, but we looked at it and there were a couple of things. I had suggestions from people in the industry to call folks in the industry who we've had in, you know, cause we've had Hillary Hutchinson, George Daniel, a lot of people who go to a lot of shows in. And I called them and said, Hey, you know, we've talked about hiring an outside event company. And to a person, the answer was, no, you're going to be another fly fishing show. If you have someone run it and make it all kind of fancy, mm-hmm. the whole point is this is on the river. It's laid back if a couple things get dropped people understand it's all volunteer there's no one it's a different vibe it's a different feel don't do that and that was across the board well
3: and when tom was there 2 years ago right. uh, and i was still with orvis right. and working the booth you know i asked tom you know what he thought about the show he told me this is the best regional fly fishing event i've ever been to
5: yep. that's what he wrote in the um, in a testimonial he did for us yep that he thought it was the best he had seen in terms of a regional, not a national, the Fly Fishing Show or one of those. And so um, it gets to be a heavy lift, but also if we hired someone, um, it would really cut to what you were saying with our ability to fund some of these people mm-hmm. yeah. and to help yeah. them.
4: If you guys are willing to put your time in, right, that's
5: right. a lot of money. Right. what that means. 100%. You know? yep. 100%. So,
3: um, The first question we got uh, was uh, talk about the flows on the river. And your guys' uh, relationship with, um, I can't remember. GBRA, G-BRA Guadalupe Blanco yeah. River
5: Authority. Um, we have a current, it runs through 2026. Mm-hmm. We have a, it was a 10 year agreement. It was the second um, agreement that we have that's a minimum flow agreement with GBRA. A copy of the flow agreement is on grtu.org. So anyone who wants to take a look and see what was agreed to on that. Um, and that went from, again, before my time. I don't know that I wasn't there. Adversarial is not the word to use for the relationship, but it certainly wasn't the partnership it is today. GBRA is a sponsor of TroutFest. They have been since 2016. Um, we have an annual meeting with them to talk about with, with their board, well, with their executive director, Kevin Pattison, and their people about the flows, what's going on in the river. So that was a mandated flow agreement. Um that is that is locked in through what are the basics of
3: the agreement do you know offhand
5: it's a little bit complicated and so no i don't want to um, it does dictate the the lowest that the flow is allowed to go and under what conditions and that's
3: during the summer the flow agreements for
5: the summer right right Yep. so i mean and the whole agreement idea behind the flow agreement was to try and be able to keep a temperature in the river that would sustain, sustain trout throughout through the summer. The that's exactly gotcha. uh, exactly the reason for yep. it
3: and I know that there's a – I think I looked into it a couple of years ago. I know there's a lot of things, you know, the lake level, what Correct. the lake levels is at makes a difference. 100%. Because if there's a drought and, you know, they need to hold water, right. that makes a difference. And so that I know it's kind of minute details. But
5: but it is. But Jimbo Roberts will always talk about that. It's where the lake level hits, and it's like on September there are certain cutoff dates. And I, if I start quoting them for you, I'll, I'll be 100% wrong, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but that was – Bill Dobson and some of our previous folks, David Schrader, did a lot of work on that with GBRA. And instead of it being adversarial, it became a partnership to, to look at it. They obviously have water. They've got to serve downriver. And, you know, everyone talking about stakeholders and everything. There are other people who have opinions other than what happens to the trout in the top part <laughs> of the river. Um, but... Uh, but yes, it does, and there are certain triggers on what date the lake level. So you'll see Jimbo posting. I mean, most of the people who are familiar with GRT are familiar with Jimbo Roberts, and it's always we need we need rain because we have to have the lake level be at this by a certain day because then the flows will continue to be. But I would, if off the top of my head, I went to quote him, um, I would be wrong. I'd be happy to on our social, um, although it's inundated with trout fast. Probably after Troutfest, I'll post a link to the uh, um, flow agreement with GbRa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a nice. public it's a public document, and um, it's what it is. What's in place through twenty twenty? Are you all
3: happy with the current flow agreement? Are you uh, looking at twenty twenty six and hoping some things change?
5: We'd always love it to be more, obviously, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I think I think we all felt very good. We were happy. The first agreement was tough to get when 2016 was coming up and we went back in to renegotiate the ensuing 10 year it was a smooth smooth agreement so yeah. i i think yes we'd love it to be more um and i hate to keep using the world but their word but there are multiple stakeholders in it and so yeah i i think um being in texas being with the water um needs down river and what g b r a has to do and contend with yeah i mean pie in the sky, would we want more and be able to dictate what it was? Sure. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but being
0: th- re- realistic, it's a good agreement. Yeah.
5: yeah, I I think we we believe that, and we believe, it. more importantly, I think it was the best agreement that we could have gotten at the time would really? probably be the way to do it. Well, you know? okay. Yeah, I think Phil Dobson, and there was a group that really worked with GBRA, and and I, I, I think at the time, I mean, we had lawyers on it, and it wasn't just a simple, it's not like we went in and just – said, okay, that sounds like a good flow. There were a lot of studies done. Yeah. They had the lawyers looking at it. We we also, um, we actually had, it still exists at GRTU, but it's called the, uh, it's our legal defense fund where we have money set aside and we have it set aside now in case it was needed to ever look at that again and have to have lawyers involved. Gotcha. Sure. Because it was very expensive legally for GRTU doing that at the time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very expensive. And
3: does that dictate winter flows as well? Because I know the past couple of years, it seems like a couple of years ago, the flows were just like insanely high all winter. And then since then, it seems like they've been really low. Is there a way to find a happy medium to where they're not crazy high and they're not so low that it causes concern?
5: I think, well, there's two people who control that too. you got Army Corps of Engineers, mm. depending what, what the lake level is at, and GBRA. So there's two entities on, on the dam mm-hmm. and what's coming out of the dam, um, what it really dictates and what we call it is the minimum flow agreement. It addresses what they're allowed to do as far as minimum flow. Yep. Um, other than that, they're doing like control level and and what they're feeding down. They down, they have down ten downstream. hands
3: in the in the pot, basically <laughs> trying to trying to manage all of them. Uh, the next question is: Do y'all truly feel it's okay to spend the amount of money? To stock and non-native fish in the Guadalupe
5: um, well I, I think the two things something we had we addressed earlier is we're not really spending money there is no outflow of members money except for people. We,
3: and it. we talked about this pre-show, so maybe we go into a little bit of detail of what right. we we're talking about. So the
5: LAP pays for itself. The lease access program pays for itself.
3: It pays for the lease access spots and, and for the fish. The, fish. So the, only, the fish.
0: the only money that's going to are, towards it are people who are like, I want this money to go towards me having access Correct. to these fish here.
5: Correct. Yeah. yeah. And we actually have way more people who want it. It's not a question of if there is the demand for it. So as far as GRTU saying... do we think it's worth spending the money? GRTU is an organization. Net is spending nothing. Mm
2: -hmm. It's
5: paid for by the lap. Those same people aren't just going to cut us $165 checks because we ask them to cut them. It's not like that money would be there coming in. But more importantly, what the lease access program does, it's a way to introduce new members to TU and to get us, without Trout in the River, there wouldn't be a Trout Unlimited chapter in Texas. Mm. You have to have trout to have a Trout Unlimited chapter. Yeah. So without trout, there would be no Trout Unlimited chapter. There would be no $100,000 to youth programs for TU National. There would be no GRTU trout camp. There would be no money to, to restock native fish in New Mexico and Colorado that yeah. we help with and on and on all the things we've talked about. So if you don't have fish, you don't have a chapter. I mean, we have states that don't have TU you chapters if, if it's not, you know, Hawaii got one because they actually have trout up in Kauai where my wife's from. Segway, but you might want to tell Craig if he wants to be smart. I married a young lady almost 30 years Cliff, ago. Cliff, are you talking about Cliff, Cliff, Cliff yeah. I'm sorry, from Kauai. So... I just sat here and showed up for the wedding. That's all her dad told us I had to do. So <laughs> tell, him, tell, tell him to find a, a, someone who lives in Kauai. He can get married on beautiful Kauai. And since it's there, he doesn't have to do anything. It yeah. shows up well, not, it's done. Now, shows up, get married, go. Now so, that he hears
4: that, he might just mention that to his fiance. And like, look, I, got, I have a place we can just hide. Yeah. So just that maybe be nice.
5: But so, yeah. Do I think it, it's worth putting the money in? For GRTU as an organization, and me speaking to it being on the board, we're not putting GRTU money. We're putting direct members' money who pay for a lease access who program. Who want that? you
0: know that's spoken with their money. Correct. Right, that they want That's that.
5: entirely different from any—it's not that their membership dues are going to that.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Nothing that they do. Nothing from trout TroutFest that they come out and support. There, there's nothing if they participate in a raffle at a chapter meeting. None of that money goes towards stocking fish. Yeah. And and I I get the native debate. Um, you know, I fish for a, for a lot of, and Len and I talked about this. I fish for a lot of Rio Grande cichlids. I spend a lot of summer doing that and fishing for Guadalupe mm-hmm. Bass and love it. And I think our our members are a little bit funny in that, and we talk about this internally. It's why at Trout Fest, we've got Benny Blanco coming from Florida, who's a saltwater guy. Lucas Bassett coming out of Louisiana, who's the current executive director for After the American Fly Fishing Trade Association, but also as a guide um, in the marshes in Louisiana. Why have we had flip here before? Why do we bring those people in? Why will Yako Lucas be here next year? Well, because most of us fish salt also. We're in Texas,
3: right? Yeah, that was a big selling point when I worked in the shop is that, uh, you know, San Antonio-Austin area is really a hidden gem. You can't really say that you can go bass fishing, red fishing, and trout fishing within a three-hour drive. Really anywhere <laughs> in the U.S. You, can hit, you could literally catch three, all three in the same day. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: If you start early enough, <laughs> yeah, you could do That needs older.
3: to be a – we need to do that as a challenge.
0: Guad <laughs> trout, um, uh, Guadalupe bass, and then a red? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, a rainbow trout, Guadalupe bass, and a red fish. Yeah.
4: Can we add a cichlid to that list?
0: There you – ooh. Yeah. That I would make like, it – I feel like trout your, cichlid would just, be tough. We that, could
4: start in Austin. And then just work our way.
0: Yeah.
3: If we can catch a cichlid on the same outing as the Guadalupe bass. Uh,
0: that, that would, that would two just go see Chris Johnson. Yeah. I am about to say, go, I know. Go I, well, on
5: Brushy Creek with
0: Chris. Yeah. yeah. You'll you'll Chris, knock yeah. it out. Well, I know where to go on
3: Brushy Creek. <laughs> I'm sure Creek, you yeah. would, right?
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need to do that and make a YouTube video. Oh, man. It'd be a long day. <laughs> it'd
4: be <laughs> a good day. Though. It would yeah. be yeah.
0: hard
3: to catch a trout on the same day as a
4: cichlid,
0: though. Yeah, yeah. just because, like, the weather... Uh, you, uh, you hear the rumor. We well, do like so a an
3: April, like a late trout, but like spring and it's warmed up a little bit.
0: Yeah. then you get the two patch.
5: <laughs> and also the other aspect of that is with the water temps coming out of Canyon Lake at what they are. It's not that top area is not a conducive area to pick up warm water fishing. Yeah. It is as you start to get lower. Yeah. Um, but even when talking to some of the TPW, when you're coming out at 50 something degrees... It's not water bass and and those fish are looking for either. So part of that was the dam going in and having that there. But I think we're we're blessed to have so many native fish and wild fish in Texas with bass, with cichlids, with Guadalupe bass, with smallmouth, like you said, go down to the coast that um, I think we've got
1: the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah, really.
3: How much money does GRTU lose every year to stripers eating trout? No idea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Um, it's yeah, already there, too much. <laughs> there, are,
5: there are some pretty big stripers <laughs> in there. Part, yeah. so, oh, yeah, I, w- <laughs> I wish I knew. I
3: wish there was a way to like find that number because I'd be curious. <laughs>
0: How many they eat a day. Just catch one and pump it.
5: Oh, I know. I've seen their study telling you what a striper will eat in poundage a day based on their length, and it's incredible. I don't recall, but and some of those stripers you see pictures of catching people 40 pounders. Oh, yeah, big,
2: yeah, 30,
4: 40
5: pounders. What about the
4: ospreys between them and the stripers? You don't have to worry about people keeping trout.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whoops.
1: This year's NBA Playoffs are gonna feature a lot of great rookies, and FanDuel wants you to be one of them. Make your debut on FanDuel Sportsbook with promo code ROOKIE, and your first bet is risk-free up to a thousand bucks, so you can bet the point spread, grab the money line, or build a same-game parlay. And if you make a rookie mistake, FanDuel will give you up to a thousand dollars back in site credit, so you can take another shot. Okay, this guy's got potential. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up and unlock your risk-free first bet up to $1,000. We're looking forward to seeing what you're made of.
0: 21 plus in President, Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms
1: at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. FX presents Under the Banner of Heaven. This case I'm working on, it's a double murder. Inspired by the true crime bestseller by John Krakauer. Oh, my God. And starring Academy Award nominee Andrew Garfield. The evidence points to things and to beliefs that I have only ever heard whisperings about. FX is Under the Banner of Heaven. All new Thursdays, only on Hulu.
3: The next question is: Is there? Let's talk about the uh, the lap the lease access. I can't believe
5: there was a question yeah, on lap. No. Amazing, <laughs> amazing.
3: So, and we talked about the issues that happened this year on our podcast, mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. we all were trying to sign up just for it and going it. through it. What in the last two years have been kind of crazy? What is GRTU? Are you guys talking about planning for that next year and what the vision and the goal for the lease access pass membership is? Because it seems like. We're on an exponential track, uh, not a linear track. It almost, right. it's we're on an exponential track for growth on the lease access. Like it's changing drastically. There's each so year. many new people that want to join in, and mm-hmm. then we also have the old guys at the same time. have said, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I don't want to lose my spot because I've been doing it for every year. Right. So how do you balance that? Of I want to bring new people in, mm-hmm. support GRTU and what we're doing, but also these guys have been here for 20 years. And they don't want to miss out on the lease access opportunity.
5: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. And I'm in responding to people during this year's lease access, um, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. But um, <laughs> with with the lease access mess that occurred with the sign up this year, you know, jokingly, I would tell people, will take a take a good look at it because it's the last year that you're going to see this format. Um, so, A, there are better ways to do it. Um you know, I I talked a little bit about earlier, I think as a chapter, there is a reason that this chapter won the Golden Trout Award from TU National as the chapter of the year a few years back for a chapter with no wild and native fish, kind of unusual. So I think we do a lot of things really well as far as all the things I've mentioned supporting other chapters on and on. Um, the lease access would, the sign up would go under the not done so well. And we acknowledge that. I mean, there's it's would be kind of hard to run and hide from that one so did, did we think we had it this year yes we quite, you know we could go on and on we quadrupled server size there were a lot of comments so oh, we didn't do anything from last year and now we have the same problem this year which again just inaccurate we quadrupled server size we went through it we did stress testing our web guy assured us you know people i don't understand why grtu does this internally well because we don't you know and it's the old assumptions thing but at the end of the day, all those things resulted in it not working, which I feel as a board, we do have a fiduciary duty to the members to do things right that we commit to do. And I I believe it's great to say we're all volunteers, but we would still need to get things done right. I think we do the vast majority of the things phenomenally. We've got a great group of people. That was one that fell short of what I think I expected, I think the board expected, and our members certainly expected. So will there be a different sign up method next year yes we are going to send a survey to the lap members there will be one that will go to all members just on chapter related things asking kind of where
3: was that going to be emailed to the members yes
5: yep yes so they'll all have access to that. There will be two. One will be only the LAP members because we want to know some things. The general membership will also get questions about the LAP, but we do want to know some things like how many days did you go? Which spots do you fish most? There are certain things the fishery guys want to know on this. Um, then in, that will go out in March once we're through Youth Camp in January, Trout Fest this month, which really is an organization organization. Um, and, and the amount of volunteers we have eats up our time. That's what we do in January and February. So we'll get that feedback back. We had a bunch of people volunteer and message me during the um, lab sign-up process, a lot of whom are in the tech industry and who have background in it and who work on networks, who have some ideas on how we could do it better. Um, and we are... And
0: they're actively trying to volunteer. Correct. That Correct. is awesome. hundred percent. They're stepping up. They're like, hey, this is what I can do. I, yeah. Right. I
5: have at least six people who directly got a hold of me, and then I went and looked, you know, on LinkedIn and things to see what they did to make, you know, just because which, everyone, a lot of people yeah. have a, think they have a solution, but these guys actually are in jobs, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. that, uh, that, that pertain to that. Yeah. So we're going to put together one that's going to kind of be the tech end of how do we do this technically, which... Honestly, there are ways to do it. And, I mean, you know, we're talking earlier when the Rolling Stones can sell 70, 80,000 tickets in five minutes without a crash. We ought to be able to do the lap. Um, so that's step one. Step two is then how do we go about doing it? Because years ago, when we didn't cap it at all, one year we actually had over 1,200 people on the lap. Oh, wow. I think that was 18. I'd have to look. 17, 18, <laughs> before we started capping it. Right,
2: but
3: right. but it seemed like that year, if I remember correctly, it wasn't like a big push at the beginning. That was just like kind of a decent push at the beginning, right? And then people were just kind of sporadically signing up as the months go on. Because I feel
0: like that was my first year having it was eighteen, and I think and people, I bought it like in December, or right? Something. People
5: start, and we didn't cap it, so there was no hurry because we never said there's a limit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people, and then people would start seeing posts on social of fish, and go, "Hmm, maybe I want to try that," and they'd sign up. So then. Because of that amount and having some problems with that amount of people and rules not getting followed, X many cars per parking spot, we lost some leases. So we looked at it and said, okay, we should cap how many um, to, try and, to try and alleviate some of those problems. Um, so the next will become, so A is technologically, how do we do it better? The second one is, how are we going to sell them? To your point you just alluded to, you've got longtime members. I've been a lap member for 11 years going, well, um, what about me? I, I've been here all this time, but then you've also got to look at lo- what I was mentioning. It's, it is a way to bring in new members. Yeah. We can see like this year, the amount of people who signed up cause you can pay for your membership at time of sign up. Mm-hmm. every, I can look every month on this spreadsheet on TU national site where it shows me every member and it shows how they were acquired when they came through, whether they their lifetime member, when they paid, when their next one's due, blah, blah, blah for every single member. So we know how many joined who had never been a TU member before because of the lap. So obviously we'd like to do that to grow a, a diversity base because we know what our current membership is and B to just bring in new people to try and get a larger mm-hmm. group engaged. So there is that balance. And um, again, because, you know, I have to look at some of the forum stuff that you get everyone. Oh, yeah, you should do a lottery. Well, that's everyone who's new who didn't get one. Oh, no, we shouldn't do a lottery. It should be based on seniority. Well, that's everyone who has one. So we'll do a survey and, and, and look at it. And, and Dan Cohn's had some ideas, right? I don't want to start throwing them out because we haven't done a survey, but Dan's come back with some ideas. We've had a big change in the amount of violations of rules since we stopped doing in-person Training and started doing mm-hmm. online. Oh, okay, yeah. That's click, sense. click mm-hmm. through. Well, and let's just pause. Come on, you, you read every bit of that, didn't you? Oh, and yes. studied it and learned
3: Absolutely. it. Absolutely <laughs> shaking my head. No, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, well, let's let's pause that because I want to pick that back up. But speaking of violations, uh, will you talk to the fact that the lease spots are decreasing and why they're decreasing?
5: Right, we're at fourteen this year, um, and I'm. You know, you were saying when you first joined, it was probably eighteen or nineteen or 19 twenty. Yeah, Evan, I don't There know was twenty. Joined. I probably okay.
3: joined in fifteen. Right. Or not fifteen. Well, you said 2016. the highest
0: there was what twenty.
5: I think twenty-two when I first. Yeah. Well,
0: I feel like every year I get that message. It's like, hey, we lost one or right. two, one or two,
3: or even in the middle of the year. I know this
0: year yeah, we yeah. lost a spot. And Landon, you're year. alluding to there's a reason why. Yeah. Yes, there is a reason why. Right. Will you explain
3: that reason?
5: Some of it, okay. Violations are a big part of it, where people don't follow the rules. And most, a lot of these people, homeowners in particular, aren't really charging us what would be market rate for the amount of access to their property. Um, And then a lot of the businesses understand that, you know, there was an economic impact study done by TPWD um, some years back again on our website. And it's not that they're economists. We're having someone do it now. We're actually Going to fund an intern at GBRA, and we get to kind of dictate what they work on. The first one we want is an economics, um, major. the
3: economics of trout being in the Guadalupe and how that Correct. affects the local economy and Correct. how much money's coming yeah. in.
5: TPWD placed the value at over a million dollars for the local the economy area. Yeah, one point something, and mm-hmm. honestly, economists we've had a look at it said it's ph- phenomenally low for what they actually. The think. estimate's
0: low. Yeah, yeah.
5: So we can at least wow. say that by having a winter tr- trout fishery there. Um, that it's driving at least a million. And I think a lot of the people know it. I mean, yeah. we have uh, donors of holiday lodge. I use that because I'll stay there a bit, but the first time I approached them about a donation for trout fest, her answer was, I think that anyone who has a business up here who doesn't support you guys is crazy because I'd have, my business would be dead in the winter if it wasn't for trout on this, yeah. on this river. It no, makes, mm. makes sense. Yeah. For restaurants, anything up mm-hmm. there. Um, so I think a lot of the landowners and business owners are, really good to us because they understand that we're driving people there also but at some point if your property is getting treated poorly Mm -hmm. at some point it's just not worth it and
3: that's what we're seeing a lot with I mean we read stories about all the time I hear stories about all the time is even like hunting people hunting properties or whatever people floating down the river and tubing it may not even be a direct result of necessarily GRT or what's going on but just people treating other people's property poorly and leaving trash Mm -hmm. and being disrespectful Mm -hmm will just cause people to be like, I'm either, I'm just going to cut them all off. Whether they're doing good for me or bad for me, I'm just going to shut my property down because I don't want to have to deal with it anymore.
5: And some of it, our our members are generally excellent. But when you have a 1,000, it doesn't take too many to upset a landowner. Yeah, really. And then some of it is pure economics. There's a couple of places up there that were great leases, but as... Property values, business values have gone up. There, a couple of the businesses have come back with just astrono- astronomical numbers they wanted for yeah. us to access. Still, some of our really nice spots.
3: Would that make it non-economic? Like, would that make it to where the lease access, people buying the lease access, would not pay for itself? Are
0: you some talking about yes. astronomical? Yeah. Really, like, yeah. it, change, it would change it that much. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so,
5: but we as a board have taught we we need to, and we'd love our members help. People know people who live on the river. They know people who have businesses, but yes, we we would love to see that number go up from fourteen because that is contributing to part
3: of the
4: problem.
5: Yeah, that's part of the crowding.
4: That's a huge. You know, talk about economics, and I start thinking other things. I thought, to, you know, supply and demand. Mm-hmm. You got a huge problem on your hand. Mm-hmm. You got a lease access program that a lot of people want, but you have limited real estate, and you want mm-hmm. to bring new people in, and you want the quote unquote old guys to right. Stay happy, and you want the new people to come in, and but you got,
3: you have an increasing membership of LAP and a decreasing amount of leases, right? And that and that that's causing a huge
5: problem, Yeah, that's a a big. And people throw out, you know, and again, because we and it's something that we've spent a lot of time looking at. Um, you know, a few years ago we went up uh, from I believe it was one twenty to the current one sixty five, and that ruffled some people, and yet we have other people who come back and say, "Well, no, you should." Tag it to a full-day guide trip. It's access all season. It should be 500 550 bucks mm-hmm. the same as a one-day guide trip. Well, yes, but we don't want to price people out of it and make it some elitist fishing club. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. it is a balance there um, that we're going to look at harder this year than we have before. And
3: going back to you guys are going to do uh, surveys. Correct. So if you guys want a voice in this and you're Answer. a current member— uh, and if you're not a current member, you should sign up if you want to have a voice in this. Uh, when the surveys come out, then you guys should participate if you want your voice heard. Because what we talked about, again, before show is uh, the size of fish that are put in. Mm-hmm. You know, people are complaining about it right now because they, they don't want people keeping fish or they want to only catch big fish, and there's a million right. reasons back and forth But the reality is the reason that you guys put the fish in the way that you do is because of a GRTU member survey. Correct.
5: Because of
0: what people want. Right. It was from
5: the last survey when we asked what the breakdown of fish, what size fish people wanted in. Um, So, yeah. And also, uh, you know, TPWD, when they did that economic um, study, asked us if they could send our membership list questions they wanted to know about how often they stay, how long they stay. And they got a 6% response rate. So I would love to have it higher because, you know, if you want a voice in it, then yes, please, please do fill out the survey. Please do volunteer. And as I say, I'm really appreciative of a bunch of the guys, um, and and a young lady who stepped forward um, and have backgrounds in tech and wanted to help us with looking at how we're going to roll that out so we don't have nice. don't have the hiccups. Um, probably a good word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are some Listen, members if you, who if
4: who may have another. If you don't understand that technology is the most imperfect thing we have. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean. I think about yeah. every time we want to show something, somebody something really important. Yeah. And no, how it doesn't work. I couldn't hardly
4: really get my article pulled up for tonight. <laughs> 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 but, I'm like, this is stupid. But we
0: can
5: do better, and we will do better. That's, I mean, it, it did not go well. Um, I think overall, Dan and his crew for the problems with buying trout this year, and what the hatcheries have had, even with TPWD having problems getting trout, Dan and uh, the fisheries committee have done a nice job um, getting getting the fish in because we couldn't get them from the, from the same hatchery in Missouri we normally get them from. Mm. Yeah. So I think they they jumped up. And um, and I think there will be some things, even with the lap, that will be done differently. Um, we got I got Chris Johnson back on the board, um, and he's also taken over as conservation chair, for GRTU, which works arm in arm. Chris who owns Living Waters up in Round Rock and well known throughout throughout the Hill Country. Um, Chris will be working hand in hand with the fisheries. So I think it it will have a good mix. They've got some Chris has some really good ideas on some areas he'd like to work on in the Guad that we currently don't stock. And that's another thing is we don't have a lot of access up higher
2: mm.
5: on leases. Um and that's obviously the coldest water and, and some other things. So Chris Chris and Dan are, are looking at that, and I think having Chris back on board is going to be very beneficial.
0: Awesome.
3: Yeah. So you guys, uh, the takeaway from this conversation is participate in the surveys if you guys want to have a voice, because it sounds like you guys mold your decisions off the information that you guys get back from the surveys.
5: We do. I mean, we as much as we can. I mean, obviously, yeah. if a survey came back and said they want to stock – I don't know sharks in there. <laughs> um, we probably couldn't do it, but it, but yeah, we've been able to do that o- over the years. So
3: um, I think that leads into another question, um, and you kind of already answered it, but uh, what has it been like to adapt these to the sudden increase of anglers in the last two years, and to mitigate unrealistic expectations many have for this volunteer organization? And you've half I think you've pretty much mostly answered it but I wanted to I, I wanted to ask that question because it was specifically asked I think this person realizing that you guys are all volunteers and you're putting your heart and soul into it um, yet people ask a lot of y'all
5: yeah I think part of that is honestly um, on us and the reason being I say that is we haven't done a good job of communicating via newsletters um, or even about the cold water, let's say the cold water outreach conservation fund, that is something. Over the last two, three, four, five years, we haven't, we have not announced to our members. I about, didn't know about it. About the Willow Creek that we just gave four chapters that we just cut a check for twenty five thousand dollars. Wow! To help wild and native fish, but That's if awesome. we don't bring that to the members, all they're going to see is if we have a hiccup like Lap, which was a very public hiccup. They're not looking at. Okay, youth camp was this roaring success, and we just did these Willow Creek donations. And, um, you know, it's caught the eye enough that for Trout Fest, one of our national board members out of Pennsylvania, who's on a call with me about the GRTU, GRTU Tomorrow Fund, Judy, is flying in for Trout Fest on her own nickel because on the call, we were just talking about Texas not having, you know, wild and native trout. And, She piped up and said, well, actually, you guys are, you're my hero chapter because of all the stuff you do elsewhere. But I think if we don't do a good job of communicating that to the members, Mm -hmm. then it's on us that they only see. The LAP. Correct. Yeah. And so I think that um, Lisa Lozelle took over newsletters. We, We had one out, which was the first one that we had put out in a year and a half. So if we don't communicate about all these other things that we're doing, then it's hard to say, well, the members should excited about all these great things our chapter's doing all over the country if if we don't talk about it yeah so i think some of that is on us um for doing that but the the lap itself has been and everyone knows during covid every every article talked about fly fishing boomed everyone took up fly fishing and so the lap consequently i i I think had a, a more interest Social media with the amount of guides, um, we pulled the list from Word the other day, the Water-Oriented re- Recreation District at Canyon Lake, the taxing authority. There are 49 guides who have registered with Word to guide on the Quad. 5th there
3: basically 49. 49. Yes.
5: And, and mind you. I'll I, just round that up. I, we'll I, just make a yeah. number. I won't say there are other guides who you see on social media who aren't registered because, I, you know, far be it from me to say that. But 49 is not the number. It's more than that. Yeah. And so when you have that kind of activity, that kind of social media presence of fish, and people get excited. It looks good. It, you know, it look how many people are moving from Texas to Texas from other states. Well, a lot of them came from states where they had trout fish, and all of a sudden they see these pictures and go, great, we can go fi- fish for trout on the Guad. Yeah. Um, so it has been, I don't know if I'd say difficult, I think we're also in a position, we've got some great, we've added some, over the last two years, we've added... Donovan Kipke, who owns Real Fly to the Board. Chris Jackson, who owns Action Angler. Tiffany Yates from Green Outfitters. Chris Johnson from Living Waters Fly Fishing. I'll miss someone. Josh Crumpton, who owns uh, Spoke Hollow Outfitters. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the more younger shop owners and business owners. Banning. And Banning Collins, thank yeah. you. Yeah, Banning's
3: I a mean, He's a rep for Orvis, major yeah. brand, Orvis Sitka Howler Howler the three brands that you'd want to be rep by <laughs> right he is their rep yeah talk about a dream job yeah
5: and Banning's great I've been trying to recruit Banning for the board probably since I got on it same thing with Tiffany and I think now we've got some of that you know I hate to keep saying younger because I'm I'm an old guy myself but I think that is important to have to have that energy and also people in the industry i mean they're business owners who are listening to members every day in their shops those people are members in there all day talking Mm -hmm. to them about what Mm -hmm. they what they see with grg there's your survey right there right really right and so i think that's been um a huge huge lift and if you just uh, even if you look at some of the things we're doing and the people who are involved it's heavily a lot of those those folks
3: yeah what do you think about the argument over should the Guadalupe be catch and release only or should people be able to keep fish?
2: <laughs> I just oh, I just opened a huge can his, of worms. His face on that one.
5: I thought we had this conversation beforehand <laughs> really and know. it was going to stay there.
3: Well, I'll just I'll just tell you what I think. I think, you know, the regulations are fine how they are. Uh, stripers are eating trout. Birds are eating Trout. Some people get to keep one fish a day. I'm not talking about the poachers who are keeping right. more fish than right. they should. Uh, you guys who listen to our show know how we feel about poachers. We cover them all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's ridiculous. But, I mean, part of fishing and part of people's experience with fishing, my experience with hunting is bringing home food that, you know, I caught, and there's a pride in that. And I think – the regulations are fine how they are. So if that makes you feel yeah. better, Bill, I think—
4: And not a lot of people are keeping the fish. I mean, right. really. Like, right. like I was saying pre-show is, you know, all, we're, of, all our G, GRTU members— It's we're in not, the lap. We're, you, not, we're not keeping fish. In oh. the
5: lap, one of the rules that I know you read, right? Yeah. I oh, oh, no, I read, <laughs> is, I read. Is <laughs> that we, we, all, we all agree to release all fish. Yeah. Yep. So yep. it should be that all of our members in, of the LAP in particular— Agree to that.
4: Yeah. And I don't know a single guide that no. will keep a fish. No. No. They're just no. not, not going to that's, that that's their livelihood. Their, right. It's their livelihood. They right. need
3: to put clients on fish, right. and if they release that fish, that's a fish in the river. I think there's plenty of people doing their part for catch and release. Um, I think even Tom, uh, in his keynote speech uh, when he was here, talked about that the fight shouldn't be for catch and release, but it should be for habitat Habitat restoration. That's
5: exactly what mm-hmm. ta- that is. Tom Rosenbauer, when he yeah. was here in, in 2020, did. Was he 2019? He was 2020. 2020. 2020. Hillary, yeah. Hillary Hutchinson was 2019. Yeah.
3: 2019,
4: yeah. Yeah, because you'll have a lot of more holdovers if, if, you, yeah, get if, the right. if good, you get Yeah, if the habitat's good, fish right,
3: can
5: reproduce,
0: mm-hmm. and... That will affect more fish than the And a honestly, a drought, mm-hmm. one
3: bad year of a horrible drought can wipe out the whole population. Yep. And so I really don't think that... You know, people keeping fish is one Especially of GRT's you problems. You know, Landon,
5: we've known each other a few years, but I can tell you that I'm going to have members who listen to this. I'm going to be getting a whole bunch of emails. So I'm going to put it right. It should all be catch and release in the Trophy Zone. 100% catch and release.
3: Well, people can message us. I don't really. I don't, I don't care. I don't no. care. No. Well, yeah.
0: we'll yeah. We're, we're, we're not doing it, but hey, if somebody wants to take home but, one fish... Yeah. But, it, but so again,
5: it, it, fish. it comes down to there are various stakeholders. And Texas is obviously a private landowner state. Mm-hmm. And there are other... That becomes some of the problems with Habitat, even. And Chris Johnson, obviously, with his background, and you guys know him. I mean, he's already going, what can we do? And he's talking with TPWD. But also, when you start doing that on the Guad, you have to get the Army Corps. And it's not just TPWD. Mm-hmm. When you start talking about angling weird dams, doing different things to try and get that. But even as far as we've done tree planting, but it is a very funny state that if we go to people and talk about us paying, us planting trees close to the river to get more shade, to keep the, um, to keep the river cooler. A lot of people are just like, no, I don't want you on my property. Yeah. I mean, it is a very, and so you have to work. There's multiple, you know, stakeholders, get back to that over word i killed today, but, You've got the landowners. You've got Texas Park Wildlife. You've got the Army Corps of Engineer. There's a bunch of people. It's not as simple as saying, GRT, you go in and do this. It, mm-hmm. it just isn't that simple. There's a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of consideration.
4: Yeah. yeah. Man, I want to tell you, though, the East Texas in me, you come to my property and say, I want to plant a tree to hold more fish. I'm right. like, hold more fish? underneath
5: my, my right. yes absolutely. Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> i will be fishing all day <laughs> but i i, I think my property
5: i i know you will uh, see more with chris johnson in in that role because mm-hmm. he's already he's been in the role for two months and i've got ideas from chris on some rio Grande cutthroat partnerships he wants us in on in new mexico As nice. all of you know chris you yep. know darn well he's gonna go oh, for yeah. for cutthroat and but for us it is the closest fishing so it makes sense for us to impact New Mexico and Colorado yep, right. as much as we can mm-hmm. and even Oklahoma even if broken bone places because that's where our members are going to go right it's not that we won't do as i said we've done Wisconsin we've done donate or grants to w- chapters in Wisconsin it's not that we won't go elsewhere but if there's if there's good projects within driving distance for mm-hmm. our members and Chris yeah. has some great ideas on this one. It's a nice, it's a good project, and he's also looking talking about some different things on the quad to try and improve habitat because we really haven't done much on that in a long
3: time. Bill, let's cheer you up with a wood tip pickle chip. Okay,
5: uh, you're <laughs> in for a treat. I'm still scared. <laughs> Morning,
6: boys. This here wood tip pickle chip giving you another call. You know, boys, it's been a while. All right, it's been a while since I've uh, been able to. You know, give you boys a message, all right? You know, I hope y'all are doing good. Okay, we're we're doing real good down here in the south. Okay, all right, we 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 got you know got deer season taken care of. Okay, and got a little break. All right, got got a couple couple weeks here or more that you know until our next group shows up. All right, and they're coming to do what they're coming to do. Okay, all right, and that's kill some pigs. All right, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Uh, them groceries don't get themselves. All right, you know what I'm saying? You got to get them when you can get them. But uh, anyhow, but, uh, yeah, I heard through the grapevine there that, uh, you know, you boys were missing me, okay, you know, I heard from some kinfolk there, as it were, <laughs> all right, you know what I'm saying, all right, no fooling, but uh, anyhow, you know, but that makes sense, all right, because I'm a, I'm a likable guy, all right, and y'all are good, y'all are good people, you know, and good people like good people, all right, you know, and y'all have had some good people on your radio or po- uh, podcast deal there, you know, and and uh, you know what I'm saying it's just real nice to listen to but uh yeah I heard to heard y'all was gonna be doing some trout uh going after some trout fishes there on the uh on the Guadalupe and uh you know that sounds like a pretty good time you know pretty good time that's a beautiful river I mean it's beautiful a lot of houses on some of it but it's still just gorgeous you know what I'm saying it's just real nice i bet they got some nice pigs out there too really after them. But, uh, anyhow I digress you know'm I like the pigs, you know. But, you know, fun fact, boys, all right, okay, all right, I've done fished on the Guadalupe before, okay, I have. You know, I'm a Texan, all right, you know, I know about the Guadalupe, all right, Uh, you know, and I got me a can of cream corn, okay, and my little crappie rod, all right, and we got after them, okay, we, we put a hurting on some trout. Okay, you know, but, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, I don't like keeping them because they just don't taste real good. You know, I'd rather eat a bluegill, to be honest with you. I'd rather eat catfish, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you do whatever you want to do, you know what I'm saying? But just put them trout right back in the water. They're pretty. All right, and them, you know, them big birds out there, they like eating them anyway, so you know what I'm <laughs> saying, but, uh, you know, yeah, but, uh, you know, y'all probably got your own opinion on that or whatever, but, uh, anyhow, as well, I had done rambled on long enough, okay, I mean, I got to get back to work, An old lady friend probably going to be hollering at me here in a minute, you know what I'm saying, you know, you know how it goes, all right, but, uh, anyhow, well, this your wood tip, pickle chip, and y'all have a good week. <laughs>
5: See, even wood wood chip. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever.
6: Whatever even he, he says, "Put
5: the trout back." So right yeah. there, you've got it. it yeah. T- put the trout back. Keep they're, the bluegill. They're pretty. Yeah, <laughs>
3: exactly. Yeah. Eat the catfish and the bluegill. Put the trout back. There you <laughs> okay. go. There you go. Hey, uh, you guys should mold your policies and procedures based on Woodchips' opinion. He's yeah. The only survey you need. Exactly. Man. I like it. Voice like a
0: reason. Eat <laughs> the bluegill. So,
3: uh, the best question we got. Uh, <laughs> I I almost spit out my coffee when I read this. Uh oh, no. and uh are you familiar uh with uh Drama Lupe River? Yes, the, I am. The meme page. I am. They asked us they asked us why are they blocked? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> no no idea. idea. No idea. Are they blocked? <laughs> they are blocked apparently. Yeah. Do you run the social media? I'm sure you don't as a president. I'm sure you got somebody else doing
5: it. No, I probably, unfortunately, do most of our social media, which for a guy who doesn't have his own uh, Instagram or Facebook page (laughs) is sort of an interesting thing. (laughs) (laughs) Not a social media guy, but when I I took over TroutFest the first year, Russell Moore, who did our social at the time, said, hey, uh, I need to link GRTU's Facebook to yours so that you can post on TroutFest. And actually, I... I said, uh, I'm not 15 years old. I don't have a Facebook <laughs> account, is what I said. And he said, well, you have to set one up because for you to be able to post, you have to have an account I can link it to. So I actually do have an account. It has one friend, which is GRTU, <laughs> because I had to have it, and that's it. Um, and I'll get, all, I'll get invites from people who, I guess, find it, and then I'll have to say, hey, I don't really use it. Look, there's no one on it, so not doing it. Um, yeah, there's about four of us who do GRTU's social Odom's doing a bunch yeah. of it now. Odom yeah. said he did. Yeah. Odom hadn't, and then he, part of it was because I just felt sometimes with Troutfest, I was posting all of it. It just sounds the same because mm. there's only so many words to, okay, I said that was awesome, then it was terrific, then it was fantastic. <laughs> What's the next group? So I asked him if he'd pick up some of it just to give it a different yeah. voice. So Odom's been doing a lot and of it. Odom
3: knows it. social media very well. He does. He does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: L- Lise Lozell does some. Uh, Michael Racist does some. So um, you're
3: not... Responsible for Lipe River uh, getting
5: blocked. Is what no, you're I, I well, don't. Well, let's be but honest.
3: If they weren't blocked, don't you think they would just like
4: hammer? <laughs> I mean, hammer that page. Probably. They're pretty good at their posting. memes. Are funny. They're oh, they're hilarious. The best thing. If you're humble enough to yeah. go,
3: well, you know what? They actually have a
4: point. Damn, that's funny. Yeah. You yeah. know, but some people
3: aren't like I should that. Should be able to look that up, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Are you are you familiar with them? Have you seen their page? Oh, I, I know who their yeah.
4: page is. Yeah, <laughs> guys, I'm gonna whisper this. If we get them unblocked right now, we're gonna be heroes
5: <laughs> or villains. Yeah, go. okay. he's <laughs> gonna show how much I know on, Insta- I you said on Instagram. You, I was
3: gonna tag you on Instagram, and then Instagram I realized you have like what did
5: they say they're blocked on uh, Instagram? Okay, where would I find
3: that? Don't ask me. Oh, man, they're about to get <laughs> unblocked. <laughs> People are going to be like, okay, who, who did this? I can't lie, though. Uh, they're pretty creative and funny. They are. you, know, you got to laugh at yourself <laughs> the, every once in a while. But that's the thing. You, have, you, have, to you be, have to be able to be able to laugh at you yourself. Have to All right, I'm, to go, I'm you honestly
5: going to have to look. I'm on the Instagram on my phone now, but I'd have to look where. I don't even know where it would show blocked. But instead of taking our time, I can look at that. I don't. I don't see why. I I don't know about
3: the blocking. All I know is we get spam comments all the time, and I block them. Because they're like, oh, come post your picture on this page. And
5: I block those people. Oh, yeah. You should um, post
0: on whatever.
5: I've blocked very few people, and I've done it on Facebook. There was a guy who was very into commenting on... Actually, it was a good friend of mine's wife um, in the front table at Troutfest on her physical appearance, Oh. And so he got blocked. Yeah. Just the I just went to his comment oh, yeah, and clicked, and there was a way yeah. to block him from the page. And I've done that with some of the people who have done that, but not on Instagram, on Facebook, where yeah, people people have comments. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. So they do
4: make fun of quite a bit. Lupe.
3: <clears throat> yeah, and and I maybe, think maybe
4: more than they should. I think they maybe. push.
3: I think the meme pages they push because no one knows who's running. I don't know who's running that account. No one knows who's running the account. Sure. I think they push buttons and ruffle feathers and. Uh, sometimes it's hilarious. and uh, What would be yeah. great is if
4: we didn't know and it was secretly a GRTU board member. Board 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 member. There that would be awesome. Well, yeah. <laughs> no,
3: that's, his, that's his revenge <laughs> that's
2: for like, exactly. all the phone
3: calls and emails <laughs> yeah. he gets. No. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't have an Instagram. I don't have a Facebook. It's I don't. <laughs> I actually don't even drop a <laughs> Well,
5: I noticed that Judd, who, you know, Judd with Helen Back Outfitters volunteers at Youth Trout Camp. I mean, and that's. And he donates trips to Trout Fest. And again, maybe to go with trying to do more partnerships, when you're asking about Trout in the River, like to me, there are some guides who don't believe we should have Trout in the River, who only believe in wild native fish. I don't really differentiate as far as we have guides who are not fans of Trout in the Quad who volunteer at Youth Trout Camp because they're not going to do Trout Fest because it's Trout-centered, but they come and take kids on the river for free. We promote them on our page. We thank them. We suggest people, that members, book them for trips, regardless of the fact that there are some of those guys who are completely against having trout in the river. It's Again, I think if we all kind of will hire the lake, boats all float. I mean, I think we all kind of want Mm -hmm. the same thing. We want better fishing. We want cleaner Mm -hmm. water. Um, And so I, I don't think it behooves us to have a big fight over that right um and because we get really good support from a lot of folks but judd posted on his i saw it on instagram or facebook i am not drama loop or something and so <laughs> i guess someone must have been yeah. accusing judd well, of doing everyone's it.
3: always accusing people of being the meme pages because they want to know who it is, they yeah. know who it is. i'll yeah.
5: i'll look at that i'm not i'm not just saying that i'm just i again um <laughs> we are i am hop- i bet it's a member i am hoping that um, i have a couple of Folks I would love to bring on board, um, really, and do our social. There's a young lady with one of the up-and-coming alcohol brands who's their brand manager, um, who I talked to about, and she'd like to volunteer with GRT, because they're just people who are savvier. Spoke Hollow has a great page. Mm -hmm. They use some programs. They have the right hashtags. um, They have a great presence. Um, Josh would like me to come out and sit and show me what the program is. It's a pay program, but... It does all the algorithms mm-hmm. to get the right hashtags mm-hmm. and everything else. Stuff I'm just not familiar they with. They can
4: preload. You can preload stuff. Right, and, yeah. right. Yeah. And, and it like, helps you. we
5: preload, Odom and I do. Like, I've got posts for the next four or five days, but I don't know the right. I mean, I do the best I can. Hashtag fly fishing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. but so I, 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 I do the best I can because we, we I mean, I, and then we get questions sometimes. You know, someone the other day asked on Facebook, it was a post of Odom at El Encuentro. Uh, fly fishing lodge, what mm-hmm. he talked about last week with you and said, what does this have to do with GRTU? And Odom answered, and I didn't at first, but I decided to go ahead and I said, well, what it has to do with GRTU is they they give the single largest donation to GRTU's Trout Fest, Texas, which allows us to fund GRTU's Youth Camp, which allows us to fund the GRTU Tomorrow Fund. And I listed like seven things yep. that had GRTU in it. But those folks in Argentina who are donating twelve thousand dollar trips to our auction, they're doing it because they like our mission and they believe in cold water conservation, all that. They also would like business from our Texas members. Right. right. So right. what we owe them is to promote their business. Right. And so that's what it has to do with GRTU and right. and um But yeah, I'll I'll look. I also just don't know how. I mean if I yeah. if one of you guys knew how to Show me where someone was blocked. I don't know
3: how to do that. I have but no we, clue either. Maybe Odom can look into it or something when he listens to this. Yeah. Um. The next question is where uh, – can you talk about the browns versus the rainbow trout things? I know you guys stock browns, and uh, I'll let you answer that.
5: Yeah, the browns were really um, – last year, it wasn't that we didn't want to stock them last year. They got, for lack of a better word, um, ick. Mm. at the place we get them from. <laughs> um, for anyone who has an aquarium, then you'll know what I'm talking about. But they got some sort of fungal, so we couldn't bring them in.
0: Yeah, and they're not those bonefish from Florida. Yeah, it could be. So, they're not antifungal.
5: <laughs> so they had a had an issue with that. Um, we've gone back, to, you know, TPWD will do electroshock studies in the, in the summer mm. and kind of see survivability rates because when we initially applied... Browns went in way back in the day, 70s or whenever it was, and they didn't do well. However, no one really knows if the rainbows did better because there weren't limits then if people just caught more browns and kept them. It was kind of one of those things that it. we stopped stocking browns, but no one really knew the answer as to why it didn't work as well. So the initial permit, because we have to get a permit from TPWD to put fish in the river, mm-hmm. It's not just that you can randomly go. Do you do it every year?
0: You have to get
4: that permit. (laughs) You can't do your own bucket biology (laughs) because you (laughs) want to. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So
5: so rookies in this year. We even have to apply. For example, something I didn't talk about earlier is um, Ron McAlpin, who's on the board, has just exploded the trout in the classroom um, program in Texas. We're now up to thirty-eight schools, which is program where we provide the aquariums, the chillers, the trout eggs, the food, and then. They, the kids get to watch them as they go through all the stages all nice. the way to hatch and grow. And then they actually take them and release them on a field trip into the river.
0: Oh, that's nice. really cool. That's we awesome. even
5: have to get a permit from TPWD before we can bring those fish
0: and put for them those in the specific, You even have mm-hmm. to get a permit for those we fish? We have to do
5: that separately because mm-hmm. it's a different than what we've applied right. for to begin mm-hmm. with. If you can go start dropping fish in public waters, um, you know, sort of like the Plecosimus yeah, thing, but yeah, the mm-hmm. that's why thing. they don't want it because mm-hmm. so you have to get their permission. So the first a permit with Browns was for three years. Because then T B W D wanted to, to study that and see how they had done and the effect. Um not I, I don't know if we will go back to doing Browns at the moment or really? not. That's a topic of, of discussion. And
0: they're more expensive as well. They right? are more expensive
5: yeah. and Apparently, according to the hatcheries, we get them at the wrong time. See, they want to. Their growth cycle is. They want to actually deliver them in like September and October. So
0: early, really. early season. Right.
5: It's too warm. Yeah. yeah. So they're even with talking to the hatcheries, we want to push them out further to get mm-hmm. it cooler, which is a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some some issues, um, and again, I keep bringing up certain people, but Chris Johnson, you know, has some ideas on that. As even as far as where and to try and, you know, when we first did it, TPWD wanted to put, us, put them up high, yeah, because that way with the weir they felt they could go and then electroshock later mm-hmm. and try and. Yes, yeah, some of them are obviously going to come over the weir. It's not that they mm-hmm. didn't come down and
0: right, but typically the fish you put above the weir kind of stay in that. Right.
5: Area. I mean, I've caught them down as low as LNL. Right. I mean, so it happens, but, but that was the thing with the Browns on right. on why mm-hmm. we didn't didn't go further Mm.
0: so have they done enough studies to know the survival rate of rainbows to browns and the rainbows
5: yes they're doing better
0: yeah the rainbows do better which Mm.
5: again a lot of the biologists you talk to will say that browns should be able to do better in this lower
0: oxygen all these things right um there's something about it where the rainbows are just doing Um, it might be a
3: habitat thing i mean oxygen and all of that I know play a difference in temperature, play a difference, but maybe habitat yeah. is the biggest deal. Maybe the if the habitat is better for rainbows. It's
4: interesting how the fisheries though they want you to they want to put them out in September though.
5: Yeah, the hatcheries. It's September, October that they would like us to buy yeah. the Browns in. Which again, just for our temperatures, we can't yeah, that guarantee is, no, that. That would just be brutal. Yeah, ten <laughs> I mean, degrees in September. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> yeah, September <laughs> well, October. You yeah. know, so it's, you know, <laughs> and, and members will ask and would like us to push up those first hmm. stocking dates. Instead of happening in November, but you're kind of playing with fire. If, mm-hmm. if, I mean, we all know. I'm sure.
0: what well, even this Thanksgiving was like in the 80s. Many of us,
5: mm-hmm. any of you, sat in a deer stand in October on an MLDP <laughs> ranch, sweating the whole time, yeah. and even yeah. in November, there. Okay. Yeah, so, shorts. Yeah, so shorts
0: and a short sleeve shirt. Yeah, uh,
3: I heard a rumor there were tiger trout stocked uh, last year. maybe? A ton,
5: I and I saw some pictures of them.
3: Oh, they were stocked. No,
5: <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I've heard people say I saw. I was like, I, I never saw a picture, and that room, like, oh, they stocked five trigger trout. It's like I've heard people, and,
5: and, and then someone posted a picture <laughs> thinking it was one. It was a rainbow, and I we, we've laughed at some of the pictures now. Yeah,
3: yeah. I was like, oh, I, I could see it. You know, buy five fish and throw them in the river randomly, and you know, someone might win the lottery. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. But no, maybe, I didn't think it was outside the realistic expectations. No. But at the same time, I'm like, I never saw anything that was official on that. And I also never saw a picture. would be a separate permit. It would a yeah. It'd be separate, yeah. permit. A yeah. separate yeah. permit. Hey, yeah. you
0: know, and there's some rumors out there that maybe some steelhead as well. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh.
3: Don't get me started. Well,
0: but if
5: you ever want to have a little debate with someone, you can tell them there are steelhead in that river because the eggs that we get from Washington for these trout in the classroom are actually steelhead.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
5: <laughs> so when those fry go in, because it's essentially a rainbow trout, I mean, you know. Right. Yeah. But Yeah. That's um interesting. And we've tried. We've done uh, browns. We did browns two years ago with that program. But that's a great program. And that's cool. I, I do some of the egg deliveries. We all meet in Sattler. But they go to Houston everywhere. So the eggs all come in. We meet and we take our coolers and you go to the schools and we do high schools i did honestly
0: what grades you take them
5: well what's fun is like johnson high school and the (laughs) teacher my kids would love it teacher there has been doing it forever so it's Uh kind of funny a lot of the teachers you have to more talk to them and show them her just comes down grabs eggs thanks you and she has this great survivability rate. really nice and then uh keystone uh this year in san antonio i'm just talking the ones i delivered to that was to elementary okay and that, I mean, these kids, it is like Christmas when they're, mm-hmm. because they've been hearing about these trout eggs, oh, because yeah. we leave the aquariums there. So they have the aquariums sitting there throughout the school year.
0: Yeah, no, it I has to It great. has to have
5: the chiller to keep, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah, these kids, and then it, they actually then do a school field trip to take them to the river.
3: That's so cool. That's um,
5: awesome. And some of the, you know, especially in other states, but you see, it's really interesting with that Trout in the Classroom program, which I'd forgotten to mention when I keep talking about youth, but that's 38 schools now, and... Especially on some of the inner-city ones. I mean, you see these videos of the field trips, and they're kids who have never been to, like, an actual river. Yeah. And, and you watch them as they go out, and they each get to take fish out of the thing, and then they get to personally put fish in. And half of them have think they're sure they know which fish and they've named it you know <laughs> <laughs> it's seriously because all right you know you see them in the class yeah, that really. one's mine that one's whatever and but it's a really neat program um, awesome. and not that it's not good in the high schools either because then you have a little bit more of the biology classes who have it but i personally love bringing it Do up.
3: you guys bring them back the next year and pull the fish out and do they do get to dissect them no, <laughs> I think that might be hard to find that. that, that, would, that, like that. then that would fall under the keeping <laughs> fish. So oh, no. that's not Woodtips' recommendations. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but yeah, it, it's been a.
5: And that program again costs a bit of money because the aquariums, the chillers, all. And we provided all the schools, don't have to provide anything. We buy the eggs, we buy the if food. That could be something you're interested in. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Sixth well, grade science. So. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll give you his name after.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. We
5: add schools every year. Which nice. Keystone was new this year, exactly. which is in downtown San Antonio. Um, we added Keystone. It was their first year on the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, our goal, we'd love to have them in tons of schools because
0: trying to get, trying to get, Kids into it Dude, at a young Zach, age. Exactly. You should. Well, do that. Oh, my that, students would go crazy. They would love it. Like, yeah.
4: Plus, you're telling them everything that goes along with it, not just growing and all the biology and everything, but what your purpose is and putting him in the river. Right, right. You're, you're getting in that kid's head and he's going, wait, I can oh, go yeah.
2: fishing?
3: Right. Well, and, you know, they are starting to build And I up. can buy a lease access membership? <laughs> 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 We're going to go to 2,000 on lease. I'm going to tell you but, right now, that's going to be my
5: excuse. It is. comes with the whole uh learning modules yeah. yeah, on biology and conservation, why the water has to be clean in the tank. Yes. Yeah. So you go through the whole.
0: That's all. We do a whole ecosystem unit and everything. That would be nice. fantastic. I'll, I'll
5: give awesome. you his name. Get with yeah. him. That would be awesome. We add him all the time.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. We'll have to follow that. Can I
4: you do that in my house, but just keep them and then <laughs>
3: dissect <It's exactly> them <laughs> on my own? <laughs>
4: <laughs> he really wants me to get he a lot of him.
5: messages <laughs> in the forum.
3: Bill's did say his phone number and email are on the GRT <laughs> website. We'll post them in the description. Uh, yeah. So you guys yeah. Can Here, get a hold of them. Get yes. a hold of them. Yeah. yeah. All right, Bill. So let's talk about Trout Fest. Um, so uh, when is Trout Fest.
5: Trout Fest is February 18th, 19th, 20th, next Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Bank. So
3: this episode is going to release the Tuesday before uh, Trout Fest. So the the 15th. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you guys, like this weekend, when you're listening to this, Trout Fest will be happening. Mm-hmm. Your friends at Honey Hole Angling will be there in a booth. I think we're outside. Yep. You are. Okay. Saturday so we're outside. Saturday. Evan's going to bring a tent for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, We're outside. Bill is going to be there, so if there's any grievances that you guys have, you guys can tell them, you guys can get after him in yeah. person. Um.
5: Just come find me; I'll be easy to find. I will have one an Oregon Ducks hat, one way or another on. It may have the duck on it, it may have the big yellow O. But if you see a guy running around, there aren't too many of us in Texas with an Oregon Ducks hat on. That'll be me.
3: Uh, first, before we talk about you know what all is going on at Trout Fest. I like to point out the greatest advertisement that I've ever seen was in the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Land oh. of Enchantment. It was the Land of Enchantment advertisement, and Bill was featured in a photo. <laughs> yes, I
0: was. <laughs> Wait, that was you in the photo? That was Bill <laughs> in the photo. Oh, uh, man.
5: Yes. That is a good one. With my guy, Shane Parker Cast. <laughs> yeah.
3: Shane's great.
5: Yes. Yes. But,
3: uh, oh, gosh. To
5: this day, people can't believe that wasn't posed for. Yeah. I was sitting back at the lodge that night. My buddy uh, was going through on his Mac Would all the pictures. Would you like to describe what the photo No, is. no, no. That's quite <laughs> all right. I, think, I think we'll leave that. But We're playing Liar's Dice. It's about 1 in the morning. He's going through all the photos on his laptop or with all the guides, and he just busts into hysterics. We're like, what? And finally, he just turns his Mac around and shows us the picture. I'm like, oh, no. So no ask for permission to use that picture in his ad. Mm. So yeah, I would say that was one of the better ads yeah. I've seen. Yeah. Definitely yeah. eye catching.
0: Yeah. I
3: I've, I have that booklet too. I <laughs> saved it just because yeah. that advertisement is so hilarious.
0: Oh yeah, even from the tagline. Yeah, just the like, tagline. Yeah. Can't yeah. remember what it is now, but I remember every.
3: Wait, time what's I read it? it? What was the tagline? You remember?
5: Great food, great fishing, and a full-service full service service. guide. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <service>. <laughs>
3: can we post that on our Instagram? I think we can. When, yeah. when the show releases.
4: I'll
6: send
3: it to Drama Lupe. And so when, <laughs> they get, <laughs> <laughs> when they get unblocked. There go. uh, there we're going to get hate mail, oh, man. I'm telling man. you, man. <laughs> so uh, what's going to all be happening during Trout Fest?
5: we have the banquet. Um... Which Fra- is sold out now, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Oh, sorry, you
3: guys. Oh, you awesome. guys missed out.
5: That's Friday night. And really, the the main thing with Trout Fest is we, none of the activities Saturday during the day at the exposition or Sunday cost any money.
3: It's free to get in. Free to get in.
5: free. Right. We'll have seven certified and master certified casting instructors. If you look at most fly fishing shows around the country, you're paying 75 bucks to go yep. take one of these casting yep. lessons. Um, we don't charge for any of it. We provide the equipment, those instructors, and they have talked to me in the past about, you know, really, you guys are missing out on money here. But we make our money on the banquet. The banquet, we have great partners from all over. Like we talked about the Argentina, you had Odom, Odom on last week mm-hmm. with that. And so through the auction it's, and the, the Friday night banquet is where we derive the funds.
3: So the auction. So all the things that you talked about with that GRT's Trout Fest supports, that money comes from the auction,
5: pretty yes, in yes, we charge exhibitors to come,, yep. and so there is some there, but really, when you get down to what the exhibitors are paying for their booth space by the time we're done renting the tent, renting the grounds, paying for the food at the banquet, and things that sort of kind of covers itself on that, so yep. as far as any money that's going to go elsewhere, it comes out of the auction, okay,
3: um, so guys come with heavy wallets, and mm-hmm. get in well, all you know we guys got auctions?
4: some really. In previous years, anyway, y'all have had some really awesome, like, donations for raffle items or yeah. whatever. What's oh, gonna, yeah. What yeah. are some things going to be whatever. in the
3: auction this year just to get
0: people uh, excited. excited? Well, one of the it.
5: things we'll probably... A, Argentina trip for two that Odom talked about that we promoted heavily on our Instagram and mm-hmm. social media pages. Um, a second Patagonia-Argentina <laughs> trip from a, from a new partner. Nice. A lot of great... I mean, tons more... Local guide trips than we've ever had. That's awesome. Nice. By far. Nice. Yeah. Yep. And you probably get on our Instagram and, you know, Odom has been posting those and it's mm-hmm. a ton of people. Yeah. So locally you can, you can fish. We've got three different guides with saltwater coastal trips. Nice. We've got guys doing bass trips, San Marcos trips here, and a lot of Guadalupe trips also. Um, we have, if any of you like those able Reels, the... Republic of Texas ones yeah. that now mm-hmm. are all mm-hmm. not available yep we'll have three of those two courtesy of living waters fly fishing and one oh, I just saw them sign up um, I'm not I wish I could I think it was I know I don't want to quote because it could be the wrong guy but someone else who just signed up also does when Chris has them on a great rod reel setup nice. um, and we've got them in eight nines so and we've got some saltwater stuff we got a two three for lightweight so mm-hmm. those are just Kind of everyone wanted those. We've got um, some really cool vices, some great Hardy rods, um, stays at, at different Mystic Quarry and some different places up on up on the river. I'd now, say. Now,
3: are these live auction, silent auction, online auction? Um, Just
5: to get people prepared. All of the silent will be online. So okay, okay. silent and Lincoln online, are, been the last couple years. right, silent and online will be the same thing. After I get off tonight, we'll. I'll approve it, and our web guy will then post. So all the schedules of all the events will be on grtu.org backslash Troutfest. You can just go to grtu.org. There's we'll
3: a, we'll link it okay. in the show yeah. notes, yeah. so yeah, people they are listening on Apple or Spotify, <laughs> awesome. they can just scroll down and they can click yeah. the link and, and they and can see all right the there.
5: the fly tying schedules, mm-hmm. the fly casting because the 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 fly the casting instruction is really expansive. Because they have everything from beginners to spay casting to Euro to, you know, it. they go through all sorts. It's a, it's a pretty big, the guys who run it, the FFI guys, you know, will tell me it's the most. We put over 500 people through casting instructions at, at the last drought fest at mm. no charge. Um, then there's awesome. all the kids yeah. area. It's just not our model. Our model is anyone can come. Anyone can learn how to, to fly cast. Anyone can learn how to fly tie who wants to. Um, kids can go catch trout on on corn and on bait right in the trout tank, and those poor guys get caught all Saturday and Sunday, and then we go release them into the river on Sunday after <laughs> oh the <my> event. <laughs> yes, yeah, but they're so full they don't want to eat anything. Yeah. So <laughs> then eat four cans of corn. So those guys go in, um, but there's again all those are are no charge. And then we have the F3T movie night. We have the first showing of the Fly Fishing Film Tour in Texas. Um, Historically, I don't want to say always because someone could show it earlier next year. But historically, including this year, will be the first showing of that in the state of Texas. And that is um, on Saturday night. Okay. Um, Banquet's a good night, some live music. But um, to answer your question, so we'll have all the silent auction are online. And those will go on. We normally start those Monday or Tuesday where people can start bidding and then we cut them off at the banquet. Yep. And then we usually pull 12, um, and I I don't want to say only the larger items for the live auction, because sometimes it's different. Mm -hmm. If someone's donated a really cool bamboo fly rod handmade we might put that in just because otherwise the live tends to just end up be trip trip trip, 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 trip. trip. Right. Yeah. and we've got some great trips madison valley ranch in montana who won the orvis lodge of the year in 2015 and 2021 have again donated a three night two day for two people it's a gorgeous lodge we've got the argentina trips um, you know in the past the land of enchantment trips and yeah. them are always in
3: Are they going to be there this year?
5: They are not. Wow.
3: I have to get after for Noah
5: now that um, it, this year with COVID and with Omicron coming on, that's really on us. As you know, I fish with Noah every year and yep. my son's probably gonna be up there working for him this summer. in in New Mexico, he actually is had already gotten an offer to, and is being paid to speak somewhere else. Mm. Mm. Um, so now it's going to be the first time since I've run it. His first year was my first year in 16, so it'll be too bad. Um, Stonefly Artworks was really bummed. Seth, yeah. the woodcarver, because mm-hmm. they're always right next to each other. And we yeah. were, the,
3: as the Orvis booth, were right next to them.
5: Seth, And then Noah, Orvis. Real Recovery. Right, right.
3: And I'm a coordinator for Real Recovery, and yeah. I'm friends with all those guys. Right. So I was in this happy little bubble yes. of, like, being with <laughs> all my best friends. Yeah. Yeah.
5: But Land of Enchantments donated <laughs> t- tremendous trips, you know. Uh, but uh, R- Rob... Rob Fuentes with Alaska Bear Claw Lodge, um, who's been a great supporter for a long time. I was up in Alaska this summer, I bought the trip last time at Trout Fest, and my son and I were up there. Great lodge, great people, great fishing.
3: Who are some of the speakers that are going to be there?
5: Benny Blanco, who's uh, out of Florida, has guiding, uh, I want to say guiding light, and that's not it. Um, (laughs) But Benny's with Captain for Clean Waters. He's uh, very well known down there, A, as a guide, but B, Really on the on the water in the Everglades mm-hmm. and the problems coming down through there that, that they've had. So very much a conservationist and a and a well known guide, but very politically active um, in that area too. Then Lucas Bissett out of um, Louisiana, who just was elected executive director for AFTA, the American Fly Fishing Trade Association. Lucas again a great guide. But also his big thing was the black mangrove um, project there. Lucas really spearheaded that and got people involved with what was happening with the mangroves and what it was doing doing mm. to the waters and, and to the fishing. So both of those guys, obviously excellent fishermen, excellent guys, but big conservationists. Then a fan favorite, Pat Dorsey mm-hmm. from Blue Quill Angler. Um, which Every time we do a survey, the members want Pat because I really try to change up. I don't like. Usually having speakers back to back years, mm-hmm. um, but doesn't matter when we do surveys of who they want back at Trout Fest. Pat Dorsey is really always. high. On, always well, just
3: he's the f- tailwater right fly fishing expert of the world. Yeah. yeah. So I mean so, it makes sense we're in a tailwater fishery right. and
5: and luckily Pat will say out loud to everyone that it's his favorite show to come to and he's very close with the folks at Living Waters so he usually then ends up. Speak in there. We always put their booths next to each other. Um, they're really close friends, and it again, I try to put if people have relationships like that, put their booths near each other. So, Pat, Pat will be speaking. Chris Wood, the CEO and President of TU, will be speaking on TU's new strategic plan for five year for the five year plan to explain to people what it is, where we're trying to go, and uh, conservation wise and people wise, um, and engaging with, with communities. Um, we're going to do a couple different things we haven't done in the past. We've got three different panel discussions, one on specifically fishing the Gwad, um, which maybe we invite Lupe to sit on. <laughs> or but, hey, you heard it
3: here first, Dromalupa. Hey, right. You got an invitation to It'll, speak on the panel.
5: But that'll be Chris Johnson, Chris Jackson, Donovan Kipke, and Dan Cohn, all three shop owners, all guides on the river to really specifically talk about the guad. Um, on a separate panel, we're going to have John Blaha from CCA, along with Dacus Gieselin, along with Chuck Naser uh, nice. from Flatsworthy. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. we, we need to yeah. get him on the show. Yeah. He's,
3: he was recommended to us by somebody to get on the well, show. Well, he's right? going to
5: be at the event, mm-hmm. and he's speaking. that panel is Saturday at 1 o'clock, and that's being moderated by Chris Wood. Um, so that's specifically going to deal with the Texas Coast Oysters That'd obviously, be, that's one of Chuck's good, yeah. Chuck's yeah. passions, yeah, really, really. Mm-hmm. and and then we have another panel discussion that will be Benny Blanco out of Florida, Lucas Pissett out of Louisiana, John Blaha because obviously CCA covers more than Texas, and that will be more of conservation issues along the whole Gulf Coast down through Florida. Nice. Um, so we we haven't done panel discussions in the past. The Guad um, discussion on fish in the Guad will be moderated by Lisa Zell of Maven Fly, and then the coastal Entire coast, not just Texas. Will be moderated by Tiffany Yates um, from Green Outfitters.
3: You and just added a new speaker today. I did. Would you like to introduce? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I,
4: I've heard that they're pretty awesome. You have, <laughs> yeah. So
5: we're going to have Landon uh, right here. <laughs> uh, Landon will be speaking. Um, and double check this online. Those I say those will go tonight. But I at three. I, I wrote. Lisa and I wrote the schedule, so I'm pretty sure it's three to four Saturday.
4: So we're shutting down the booth. Yep. We're putting up a sign. Like, go Everybody's gonna go see Landon.
3: Yeah, that's right.
5: Yeah. So that's three to four on Saturday, and as I said, those those schedules will be out. And you are asking on speakers, and I am <laughs> sure I'll forget someone. The interesting, but but that's kind of the lineup. So we have speakers from all over the U.S. Um, and and we t- have tried to go again. We have t- I talked a little bit about GR two being a little bit of a different chapter. Is that's why we've had Flip in before. You know, that's mainly a saltwater guy, but that's. But that's why we've had those kind of people or Benny or Lucas because our members, there's quite a few of our members who fish salt way more than they mm-hmm. ever fish fresh. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be in, in Texas. So it, it, we're try, we try to go across an appeal. You know, we've had mm-hmm. Alvin there two, talking about specifically bass in the Colorado and yep. have nothing to do with the guad. Not that he doesn't know about fishing the guad, but we've had those kinds. We try to vary it a little. Um, Beverly Smith, who's the VP of volunteer operations for Trout Unlimited nationally. Chris Will Wood will talk for an hour on Saturday about the strategic plan. Then he'll also be the guest at our chapter meeting, which is Sunday morning from 8 to 10 before the event opens. Anyone can come. Chapter meetings aren't restricted to members. And what I'm asking people to do is come to his talk on Saturday and then Come prepared with questions because he actually has an eleven thirty flight out of San Antonio. So he'll be there for about the first half of the meeting. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to encourage people, A, I put the links, the strategic plan is online, written. There is also a video of him and others outlining the strategic plan mm-hmm. that I'm asking people to watch so that they can come with any questions they have on it. Because it is a little bit of a change of direction. We our mission used to be that we are gonna protect cold water and the and the watersheds they come from. That was what we said we did. It's
4: getting a little more broad.
5: Broad and more specific, because you start saying priority waters. We're not saying we're going to try and do it everywhere. No individual Mm -hmm. chapters are, but it's saying we're really going to try and make big-time impacts.
3: I I think that's it. Personally, I think that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I think that's the way to go. I think concentrated efforts. Concentrated efforts make a huge difference.
5: And you look now with the four dams on the snake. Well, that's to you and a lot of other people going to bat for that, and that's Mm -hmm. how hopefully uh, we can make an impact there. Um, But the minute you say priority, it was interesting. I was talking to Beverly Smith, who I just mentioned earlier today, and just talking about a little bit when you make that statement, of course, if you're not on the priority water list that came out, those 10, then people kind of go, well, where does it leave me? Where does it leave my Mm -hmm. chapter? Mm -hmm. Well, just like you were, keep doing your local work. We're saying nationally these
0: these are what we're focusing on
5: that we're going to work on yeah. it doesn't mean you stop doing anything locally right. but instead right. of you know there's only so much money and it's let's focus where we're going
0: are they going to reassess those 10 every year every, every five year years? Okay. every
5: year and then wow. w- what they're feeling is you know if the EPA puts permanent protections on Bristol Bay let's say
0: then next year they can come off and move to a different place yep. right
5: if dams come down you start getting some <laughs> flow flow back there and starting to see some of the runs come back out
0: Exactly. And that is the that,
5: that is that the sense. idea. Yeah, yeah. It, is to roll over to what's the next,
0: right? Mm.
5: And I don't want to say go after the low hanging fruit because some of those aren't they're hard because their are forces pushing against those. Mm-hmm. But the ones that can have the most impact on mm-hmm. on our water yeah. and our fish. Mm. And also, I don't mean our to have I got to be careful that <laughs> I have to sometimes explain that you know you, uh, maybe a segue or different topic on the lap. Sometimes I'll get members, well, people are keeping our fish or people are, and I get a lot of the our fish and I have to explain to them, they are our fish while they're in the truck coming from Missouri. (laughs) They are our fish when they're in a bucket as they come out of the truck and we get ready to carry them to the river. (laughs) The minute we tip that bucket and they hit that water, they are the property of the state of Texas. They are not GRTU's property. Mm -hmm. And we have members who, you know, you just have to sometimes go, I get it and I understand well, we're spending all this money, and it's a large sum, as we talked about earlier. It's, you know, and, and our books are public. We show them at the meeting, but it's almost $100,000. And so I get a little bit of it, but, again, we get a lot more by working with people than mm-hmm. getting confrontational over our fish. The yeah. fish are in the river. How do we best take care of this resource and and enjoy it?
3: Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good point to end on. Yeah. Uh, we will post all of the information in the show notes so you guys can go check out Trout Fest and see what who's speaking, when, the vendors that are going to be there, the fly casting lessons. And we would really love, if we haven't met you before, we would really love to meet you at Trout Fest. So come to yes. our booth. We will be outside,
2: mm-hmm.
3: rain, snow, sleet, or hail, and uh, come by our booth.
5: <laughs> Landon, one quick thing before you go, yeah. because I know this probably will not be important to your listeners, but we do have uh, Real Ale Brewing. Um Will be there Wait, all, you said all, not important to our well, I'm sure. I'm sure they could, <laughs> there, but, but, but care. Real Ale will be there providing um, beer at no cost during the exposition on Saturday and Sunday. Now, Sunday, they obviously can't start till noon, but if any of you do enjoy uh, a beverage... Um, we will have some great beer vendors. We will have uh, any whiskey vendors only at the banquet and at uh, the movie night. Now, Banque- is it
3: this classic, legendary, <laughs> old school nineteen forty five? No, but I am going to tell
5: you, you should bring some of that for Davin from Real yeah. Distillery, yeah. Yeah. who's the he would love to try. it. We will have Treaty Oak Distilling and Real Ale Distilling. We'll both be doing Maybe those guys on the show. Too. Yeah. Be doing yeah. tastings both Friday night at the banquet and Saturday at movie night. All hands craft cocktails. Will be at the event all Saturday and Sunday, but also providing their canned vodka cocktails on Friday night at the banquet. It will be Epic Western, which is um, an, a new company they're starting distributing on the on March first, and they'll be. It's a tequila-based canned cocktail.
2: Hmm.
5: Um, J T Van Zant's their brand ambassador, and um, they'll be providing uh, cocktails, and then all both of both evenings will be uh, fully stocked with beer by Twisted X who's nice. so been a partner nice. with us forever. Will you,
3: you give a shout yeah, out to, I know you guys have like the platinum gold sponsors. Will you give a shout out to your platinum sponsor or sponsors? Do you know more?
5: Man, the, 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 he's really putting the pressure on me. <laughs> yeah, our, our, <laughs> checking our, your our, sure, memory, sure. man. No, no, yeah, our, no, no.
3: I think that they're, they're supporting a large amount of cash and <laughs> i yeah. like for them to be. Oh,
5: no, a hundred percent. So our presenting sponsor this year, which is our highest um, level is Twit is um, okay. a spoke hollow outfitters out of at a Wimberley. Um, it's, Our platinum, which is the next highest level, I know, is Guadalupe Blanco River Authority as a platinum sponsor, Word, the Water Oriented Recreation District, uh, Green Outfitters, Living Waters, Fly Fishing, um, El Encuentro Lodge out of Argentina, Detail Company Adventures, who's a travel company destination travel company out of Houston, mm-hmm. who is actually the partner who brought us Ellen Quentro and has over the years gotten us great trips with partners that they broker. they're a great company to use. I took a trip to Argentina that I bought at Troutfest years back that was through them and great service, mm-hmm. great great service the whole way up and down um, with checking with you. And I'm still from memory. And of course I'll, I'll miss people, but you know what? And I can, um, who else is planting them and, and goals, but I can give you that list really quickly. Yeah, yeah, give
3: us a list. We're going to give them a shout-out on the show. They're no, supporting I... a large chunk of cash, and that goes to support your youth camp and youth initiatives and Real Recovery, which we're supporters of, and yeah. Casting for Recovery and everything we've already listed.
5: Hey, Real Recovery, <laughs> even though, as I said, uh, you know we donate to them on the back end. They uh, are giving us a real nice uh, rod and reel, Real recovery TFO Rod reel, oh, yeah. combination, nice. so it's kind of funny because they uh they're 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 donating to us. <laughs> um,
3: hey, it, you know what did you say earlier? The uh, raises everyone gets yep. raised when you work work together. A rising tide raises all, raises all ships.
4: ships.
2: Yeah,
5: a platinum sponsor who's new this year who has not attended Trout Fest before is Hells Bay Boat Works. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay, Hells nice. Bay will have one of their boats in the corner of the main tent. Yeah, um, they're a platinum. I mentioned Green Outfitters. Gold sponsors are Sportsman's Finest, Alaska Bearclaw Lodge, Orvis, Real Fly, um, Donvin Kipke and his team. Silver sponsors are Anglers Covey, who's been with us many years as Silver Blue Quill Angler, and Pat Dorsey. Um, really phenomenal shop. Gordian Sons out of Houston. Um, if you haven't been in there and you live in the Houston area, that's definitely a shop worth stopping in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lone Star Fly Fishing, John Shank and Kelly are also silver sponsors. Twisted X Brewing, All Hands Craft Cocktails, and Pack Mule. And then bronze sponsors are Ang- Action Angler, Stonefly Artworks, and TFO. People are still signing up to so that list. We'll probably get Change. added to yep. but before the event, but that's currently, which is a pretty pretty broad, yeah, broad group of folks. So yeah. we get we get it good is. we get good support. We've been we've been really lucky and have some really long term partners who have been with us for since the start. Yeah.
3: All right, guys. Well look in the description of the show notes for all the links you need for Trout Fest. If you haven't met us before and you listen to the show, come say hi at our booth. We'll be and out and we have uh we'll be happy to meet you and uh, talk about what we do, and I want to pitch something for you for next year. Okay, you know? we should do a li- as like a presentation. We should do a live podcast, and people can submit questions, and we will record live and then release it after the event.
5: Oh, during Trout Fest, during, during Trout, Trout Fest.
3: Fest is like a as like a presentation. You know, we can be in a like tent a or whatever, like a panel. Yeah. But we'll do it live as a podcast, and we can release the show afterwards to point people back to. Just something to soak on for a year. You have a year. You don't have to make any decisions right no, now. I was, I was going to immediately,
5: I've been saying, you know, TroutFest is supposed to be a one-year gig as chairman, and it's been since 2017. <laughs> I was about to just tell you, I think that's a great idea, and you should contact Banning Collins, <laughs> who is the TroutFest Texas uh, chair for 2023. Okay, well, oh, nice. we'll we'll talk to Banning about it. <laughs> Banning. So,
3: all right, guys, well, thanks for listening, and we will see you on the river in the field.
1: ¡Vamos!